Hey guys, so it's Jared. I just want to jump on here. Uh, what you're about to hear was recorded on Sunday night. It was a current events episode with me and Kurt. And after listening back to it, I'm not one to ever censor or remove content. I don't think we said anything overly negative. Uh, I did go off on a tangent about Kaepernick again. And for a full view scope on things, check out some of our Weeknight Chronicle episodes where I mentioned something about Kaepernick. Uh, today's National Vote Day. It is Tuesday afternoon. Today is, you know, it's 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 a voting thing. Uh, voting day, excuse me, cannot talk. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of privilege to vote. It's your duty as an American citizen to vote. Uh, we don't talk politics here. We crack political jokes sometimes. We don't talk politics. Uh, that being said, you know, politics is involved in every aspect of life, but I hate when politics get involved in sports. Um, but that being said, uh, I hope you enjoy the content. We don't record a lot of late Sunday nights cause, uh, you know, Kurt's got to work the next day, but he's still a night out like me. He's usually up till midnight at least, but, uh, we had a good current events episode, and I just want to get on here and touch base that for anyone that was offended, and I don't think I said anything overly offensive, uh, I do apologize. So uh, with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's not very often I got to have get on here and put a disclaimer on before we record the episode, but that's what we have today. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy this uh, current episode, current events episode, cannot talk, of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Word association, Dirty Curdy, first thing that comes to mind. He changed the league, am I wrong? God, I hate Tom Brady. He's talented, but yeah. You just won't call him the goat, will you? We should have called ourselves the Hashtag Tits Podcast. A thousand downloads a day, guaranteed. Dude, it is talking sports. I love it, bro. <laughs> Is he the best running back you've ever seen? If he's not, then who is? Who do you put at number one, bro? There will be a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys episode one day. And you love that two-year run, don't you? No, I do. You can get a hot bat anywhere. You build around your pitching, or at least I do if I'm in charge. Pitching and defense wins your World Series, hands down. I came out of the closet as a Lakers fan. Whoa, bro. Scared me there for a second. Uh, sure bet. Sure bet. <laughs> there will be an increase of boxing talk on this show. I love boxing. I'm down for that anytime. Our few non-sports episodes have been pretty well received. We do get things about running a two-fold podcast. Please put Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Charlie Hustle, the all-time hits leader. It's political bullshit, and if he ever sees the Hall of Fame, he'll be after he's no longer with it. I miss the NBA I grew up on in the 90s and the early 2000s. The game isn't the same, but these kids can play. We're starting to talk more hockey, and that's, you know, it's, that's never a bad thing. Puck the world, puck it all. Puck the world, <laughs> Kurt says. I promise you, I can work a pro wrestling reference into every episode. Want to see me do it? Weird flex, but okay. I can't believe... Seriously, in all seriousness, I can't believe we've been doing this show a year now. I can't believe people still listen after a year, you know. 
You have the perfect face for radio. Oh, cut me deep, son. Cut me deep. He exploded a bird with a fastball. I seen it happen. Randy Johnson, the big unit. The, the big unit. So, uh, you know, I, I got a little soccer news no, for you. No, let me stop you right there. That's a no for me. We don't talk soccer on this show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Does Kobe win three in a row without Shaq on the Lakers? What do you think? Boy, that's, that's uh, it's pretty tough. All right, well, look at it this way. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Without question. And he's still so young. Lots of knowledge left in that kid. All right, guys. Enjoy the next episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Jared Atkins alongside Dirty Curdy, Kurt Kelly. What's happening? What's up, puss? What's up, puss? I tell you what, man. I don't think I have ever been this excited for a current events episode as like what I am today. Speaking of that, I got asked by a friend of the shows, what's the difference between a current events episode and a weeknight chronicles episode? Okay. I was like, the weeknight chronicle episodes are just mini episodes where we could feature one topic right. or we talk current events, but in smaller doses and at shorter length. Whereas the current events is a full blown two, three hour expanded episode. Right. And that's what we got tonight because uh, there's a lot of sports shit going on. Yeah. A, a lot of news. Yeah, like, of news. Uh, but before that, we have to talk about the show a little bit. So, um, we had a, I had to switch kid weekends for a couple weeks. So this is technically not supposed to be a kid weekend, but I had him. We had to swap weekends for a little bit. I'm telling you this because I was asked the other day, like, damn, it's already the first week in November and you guys still don't have a show out. We put out eight episodes last month. Right. Now I did a few of those on my own, which I do sometimes right. when I get bored and can't sleep. Right. Uh, we put out eight episodes in the month of October. November of last year was our second worst month in the history of the show where we had 37 downloads. Uh, last month in November, we set another record month. We had 328 downloads in the month of October, right. from October 1st to November 1st. That is our best month by far. And if you go back and look at our podcast, uh, all time, uh, our best month was June of last year. We had 107 downloads. Still had that new podcast right. feel to it. Right. And then in June of this year, we had our worst month ever at 34. Well, after words started getting out about after two beers podcasts and everything, we shot up to 207 in July. We shot up to 222 downloads for the month of August. We dipped off a little bit in September to 190. And last month in October, we came back with 328 downloads. Oh, so uh, I'm just happy getting 50 a month. Right. But, uh, you know. Yeah, it's a work in progress. That, that's work in progress. Uh, we're still getting the most downloads out of Indiana, California. What's oh. everybody liking? 
Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Maryland. Uh, we've got a lot of downloads all time on Waco and Hoffa. Uh, actually, I can tell you what our 10 best downloaded episodes are all time. Uh, let me look right here before we get into tonight's episode. Uh, our top 10 most downloaded episodes uh, all time is the 85 World Series. Uh, number two is Tyson versus Ali. Uh, number three was uh, Death, DMT, and Pickums. That was when we recorded the day after my grandpa died. Okay. Right. Uh, episode four, uh, most downloaded all times, Waco. Uh, then at number um, five, we have the first episode we done, the uh, Golden State Warriors. Episode six is Commissioner Kelly, Major League Baseball. Episode seven is actually uh, the Steelers episode, uh, followed by uh, coming in eight, Sweep Dreams and Dynasty, the 1990 World Series. Uh, episode number nine, 10 most downloaded all time, is our top 10 greatest moments in sports history, which that episode fucking sucks. I don't know why people keep downloading. That one fucking sucked. It had pretty good content. It had good content, but that was our first experience with the equipment malfunction and me not being tech savvy. That episode sucks. I've only listened to it once. And then rounding out the top 10 uh, was Ruby Ridge, which was the first part of the three part. We still have to do Oklahoma City yet, but... Anyways, I just want to say thanks to everybody listening. You guys, for whatever reason, like to listen to me and Kurt sound like a bunch of dumbasses for a few hours. Hashtag tits. Yeah, we missed it. Two idiots talking sports. Okay, so, uh, but tonight I've we're gonna do current events, and uh, I'm super excited about this episode. The, the most excited I've been about something that's not a feature length episode in a while. Uh, and we're gonna start with a little boxing. And we're going to start with women's boxing, which you know really gets me excited. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. earlier this past week, the WBA, one of their four governing bodies of boxing, ordered a fight between my homegirl, Amanda Soriano, and Erica Cruz for the undisputed featherweight title. Uh, both camps have 30 days to close a deal before a purse bid will be ordered. Now, Serrano's 43-2-1 with 30 knockouts. She holds the WBO, WBA, and the IBF titles at 126 WBO? pounds. WBO? <laughs> World Boxing Organization. Oh, okay. Not BO. Oh, all right. Uh, just, this guy sounded funny. So she holds the featherweight titles in the WBO, <laughs> WBA, IBF at oh. 126 pounds, yeah. featherweight division. Cruz right? yeah. holds the WBA version of the belt. The WBA is the one that issued the challenge. Now, Serrano uh, met Katie Taylor in the biggest boxing match in history back in April. Serrano, wasn't it that guy's name in Major League? Serrano? I think it was. I could hit the curveball. I think it was. So, uh, you know, Serrano and Taylor sold out Madison Square Garden uh, back in April. And that was big news to me. And I yammered about that. And people know we talk, I talk a lot of boxing without Kurt on this podcast. But uh, Who won that fight? Uh, Taylor did in a uh, split, split decision. Okay. Yeah, 135 pounds. I she, think she, she, a fight till somebody dropped. <laughs> How can you have a split decision? I know it sucks in boxing. It, it so sucks. Uh, Katie Taylor had actually uh, was actually at 135. Serrano moved up a weight class for the fight. Uh, so, but anyway, so th- this is coming up. Uh, 
win, I don't know. Uh, Serrano is ESPN's number one featherweight and number three pound-for-pound boxer overall. Cruz is number two at 126 pounds. So, uh, I will definitely, as much as I talk boxing. Who uh, are you picking? Oh, God. Katie Taylor. Or not. Katie, Amanda Serrano. That's my girl. Even though she's uh, managed by a douchebag promoter, uh, Jake Paul. Hot M- take? MVP promotions. Is that a hot take? That is a hot take. Hot take. Jake Paul's a douchebag. But uh, Amanda Serrano. Dude, I, I've been harping about this all year. This this was one of the... I'm, I'm going to put this as the fight of the year. Even though it was split decision, there wasn't no big knockout. Just for the simple fact of they had two women who headlined Madison Square Garden. And the funny, and it's the most famous arena in the right, fucking world, dude. Right, yep. Boxing, MMA, professional wrestling, right. uh, the Knicks. And to think that there's a small, like, 2,000, 3,000, 1,500-seat theater right next door to Madison Square Garden. And that's where they originally were going to put this fight. That's and yet cool. it broke records at the – so. Um. So, keeping with that, have you heard of the name Javon Juana Walton? Negative. Okay, so Juana is the nickname, and, and what All I mean right. by Juana is like, hey, you want to go to the park? Okay. So, it's Juana. Okay. So, this is a 16-year-old. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified <laughs> yeah, that. I'm glad you clarified I was wandering down several streets there. Okay, so, so uh, Walton is a 16-year-old boxer turned actor, and he made a bunch of – news uh this past week or the week before uh because he signed a deal with uh jordan brand making him the youngest member of team jordan okay so according to uh the website sneaker news nike is currently working we'll have some nike news coming up later in the episode dealing with kyrie irving uh but yeah yeah, oh we're gonna get into that trust me i couldn't resist uh Nike is currently working with this 16-year-old to debut a boxing boot in which he will train and compete with. The boot is designed to pull cues from previous boots worn by such legends as Roy Jones Jr. and Andre Ward. Andre Ward was a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Now, Walton, like I said, he's 16 years old. He's a boxer and an actor. He's best known for his role as the character Ashtray in the HBO series Euphoria. I don't have HBO Max. I know in modern age, a lot of people have HBO. I don't. So I've never seen the show. I've heard of it. Uh, He's an amateur boxer, though, from Georgia with multiple junior and amateur tournaments. Uh, And he's got five Georgia State titles at like 16 years old. Uh, He's had over 80 amateur bouts to his credit. Uh, and he's recently been cast for a role in Netflix's series, The Umbrella Academy, which is a highly recommended show. So, uh, high school, they promote boxing? I don't know. There's high school that promote boxing. You know, back in the day, they did. Well, back in yeah, some yeah. days in some bigger cities. But nowadays, I don't see how you could do that yeah. with uh, the bullying and the no the campaigns and, and stuff. Which, honestly, if you would, here's a weird fucking hot take. Right. Promote boxing in schools. You're not going to have no fucking bullying. Well, that's true. Because fight it out in the ring. Because a 350 pound guy like me, and I say that, you know, very begrudgingly, there's no way I'm 350. Maybe when I was like eight. Oh, that was supposed to be a laugh cue. Wow, that blew out everybody's eardrums. Swing and a miss there. The swing and a miss. Fucking Phillies had some of those. 
Yeah. We're going to get into that fucking world series. Yeah. But anyways, here's a hot take. Promote boxing in school, have boxing instructors. You're going to have a bullying because a guy my size comes up and picks on little bitty squints and takes his glasses. Squints going to come up with that right cross and my ass is going down. He's going he's gonna to pick you apart, right? Pick me apart, <laughs> knock me unconscious, and give me mouth to mouth with Wendy Peppercorn. That's the greatest thing ever. I kissed Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> That's a funny part in that movie. So, but anyways, so um, so here you got a sixteen-year-old kid just out there making moves. He's an actor. He's an amateur boxer, and now he's signed with Jordan Brand, and Nike's going to make a deal with him to create a boxing boot for guys in contact sports. Now, tell me that ain't a sixteen-year-old that's financially done set his life up for the rest of his life unless he blows it on dope and horse. Well, it's possibility. I mean, you know, it's a lot of scratch. <laughs> so. Um, that's a lot of scratch. Well, it is a lot of scratch, you know. Here's something. Um, Javon's background and experience fighting provided beneficial, proved to be beneficial on the big screen because he was filming for the movie Samaritan with Sylvester Stallone. The two worked together on boxing scenes for the movie. Yeah, you'll probably. Uh, go ahead. No, I am. no, nope, you got to. You started. You know, you got to spot him out. <laughs> kid's got a future ahead of him so i got one other piece of boxing news and and i I have to do this uh goron gojic he's a former heavyweight boxer had some high profile fights he had a heavy hands man heavy hands uh he was charged this past monday by the u.s department of justice with trafficking a professional former heavyweight boxer was charged by the doj with trafficking of over one billion fucking dollars worth of cocaine. Cocaine? Cocaine. Blow? Blow. One billion. Billion with a B, motherfucker. Billion. Holy fucking shit. Trafficking a billion dollars worth of cocaine. You know how long I'd keep us away? <laughs> Good God. I don't even care about the coke. What? Podcast 24-7 for a while. Oh, man. my God. This is a fucking heavyweight boxer. Like, what? you have money. Yeah. Unless he blew it on dope and whores, which apparently he's invested in dope. Yeah. Well, it's a lucrative so, business. Lost, okay. So, so <laughs> 22 tons of cocaine. There's 2,000 pounds in a ton. You, got, mean, you guys should see Kirk Kelly's face right now. How many kilos would that be? I don't fucking have the... Uh, I don't have the dope math. Do the math real quick. Can somebody out there that's a former cocaine user let, let us know the, the uh, ton to kilo ration here? <laughs> Ratio. 22 tons of cocaine were discovered in a separate 2019 ship seizure on three ships, two that were dark, docked at the Port of Philadelphia and one that was docked uh, at the Port of New, Jer- New York and New Jersey. One ship, called the MSC Ganey, docked in Philadelphia, contained roughly 20 tons of cocaine and was one of the largest cocaine seizures in American history. At least eight crew members of the ship pleaded guilty to conspiracy charges. Uh... Now, Gojic was arrested by officials Sunday night while he attempted to board an international flight at Miami Airport. The 43-year-old is charged with one count of conspiracy, and three counts of violating the Federal Maritime Drug Law Enforcement Act, which basically is the, for dumbasses, it's 
you can't transport drugs in and out of the country. So the DOG, <laughs> I mean, basically, no, that's very illegal. That's very illegal. <laughs> don't transport. So the if you don't want a full body cavity search, the de- the Department of Justice alleges that Gojek conspired with others to distribute massive quantities of cocaine via commercial cargo ship no fucking shit when you've got one billion what do you think you're gonna do with 22 tons of cocaine that's a lot of blow of course you're gonna distribute it that's a lot of blake all he's gonna do it all himself what good you god all that man i tell you what hollywood would have been lit as fuck some of those house parties there's a lot of pissed off people a bit so <laughs> but it gets better he he is accused of conspiring with cocaine contacts in the countries of Colombia the ship's crew members, and port workers, American dock workers, who unloaded the ships in Europe using United States ports as well. I'd say it wasn't the first time that had been done, for sure. 22 con- tons of cocaine. Okay, they've probably done that before. $1 billion worth of money. $1 billion worth of cocaine. That's a lot of blow and a lot of scratch. I just can't get over this. Um, So, basically, he's... Uh, not if convicted, but when he's convicted. <laughs> uh, again, folks, this is not a mem- It's not a matter of if he's. The notes clearly say I ripped this from. Uh, I don't remember where I ripped it from, but it clearly says if. Con- it's not a matter of if he's convicted. It's even a first-time offender <laughs> that much. Could- <laughs> he's going to face life in prison. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah, he's. You know, if convicted, he could face a mandatory ten-year minimum, dude. Is not getting a minimum sentence here. No. <laughs> that's a man. That's a lot of coke. Twenty-two tons, one billion dollars worth of powder. You should see Kurt's. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of what what it, that much would look like, you know. In, in a, that would have to be from your from the end of your house, your bedroom, bathroom over there, all the way to at least the living room, floor to ceiling, right? At least. Oh yeah, at least. That wouldn't even cut it. No, actually, because them kilo packages Maybe two are pretty or three big. Of these here trailers full. Give me something. You got anything to add uh, to no, it? No, uh, no, no. <laughs> you, you had no idea that story was coming, did no. you? That's a lot. Of- it's only worth a billion dollars. Twenty-two tons, street valued so at a billion dollars. Out there for How much are the dealers getting worth after they sh- like? How much money are the dope dealers pocketing off all this distribution don't here? Ask me, I don't know. How would I? Know? Would you be when you know your hookups got that much? I mean, how much are you slanging it? Like that'd be another show. Oh my god. <laughs> So, hey, pro wrestling, got to get my references in. Do you remember uh, earlier this year, did I ever tell you, by the way, I hated the Paul brothers, Logan and Jake? We've we've established that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Who are both featured in news tonight. Uh, Logan, uh, I told you, signed a WWE contract. Right. So, the geniuses in charge running the show since Vince McMahon was... Since Vince McMahon retired when really he was pushed out of his own company because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants, and it's 2022, and there's a Me Too movement and everything going on, and this 70, 80-year-old man couldn't keep his dick in his pants. So, But anyways, they signed Logan Paul to a contract, and uh, 
so he wrestled at WrestleMania. He's had one-off appearances, and I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I'm going to shit on this. But then when you seen him working in the ring, it's like, okay, he's apparently put time into this. Like, he actually has taken this kind of seriously. He's learned his craft. He's learned his timing. Well, they went over there yesterday to a mist, by the way, numerous reports from the Saudi Arabian government and the United States government that attack on potential American bases and other places in Saudi Arabia is imminent. Hop in your Google machine. There's no, that if you haven't, there's, it's been widely known attack is coming eventually over in Saudi Arabia. They got Intel. WWE decides to go over there as they do every year, get a little bit of that Saudi blood money. Woo wee. We love that Saudi blood money. Yeah, we yeah. say it in every episode. Yes. So Logan Paul goes over there and he's wrestling in the main event of a match with uh, Roman Reigns, who has been their star talent for the last two years, even though I'm sick of seeing him on TV. Well, he announced Saturday evening. And you got to think, this pay per view started at 12 noon yesterday morning because okay. it was like nine o'clock at night over there in Saudi Arabia. Right. So Saturday night, which would be like Sunday morning in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he announced that he tore his MCL, his Ooh. meniscus, and potentially his ACL in the main event match. He but labia, did he? he didn't tear his labia. He, them boys probably got labias. <laughs> but what, what's getting everybody's uh, attention here is he tore this, but he continued to work the match. In a football game, you're card off field. Yeah. In a basketball game, right. you're card off field. In professional wrestling, there's one rule. Right. Show must go on. They scraped Owen Hart's dead body off the mat and continue to pay-per-view for another two hours. Show goes on. Don't hate me. That's literally what happened. Like, that's pretty much, you know, I was 12 years old. I seen it happen. That's crazy. But he continued to work the match with an injury. So uh, That's pretty tough. Maybe, maybe there's a little more grit to these little cocksuckers than what I thought. <laughs> yeah, maybe there is. Yes. Did I just say cocksuckers? I think you did. Fuck it, sue me. Okay. So we like callbacks, right? That's a big thing with you. You like callbacks? Yes. So Hockey Canada, they're in so much shit, hey, about this uh, sexual assault with the junior players and everything. Uh-oh. So we've been, we have a, man, I just lost all my EQ. Oh, there we go. Can't really hear me neither. You can't really. There we go. Maybe we blew the mics. We're so fucking loud. Loud. We're like right up on the. (laughs) People just turned off the podcast. Oh well. Oh well. So, anyways, I'd say we picked a couple up though. Ah, three hundred (laughs) twenty-eight downloads last month. That's pretty good. Fuck. I hope we do that every month. Shout out to two two beers. Shout out after two beers. Oh, they're ready. I just got to set a date. We told him we'd see him probably after the first of the year sometime. Yeah. Because holidays. Texted Dutch last night. He said, send it. Oh, yeah. So we just got to pick a date. And uh, you want to go go back to Richmond? Yeah, I'll go back to Richmond. I got to see that little car on the side of the bridge there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That was fucking crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I wonder how you got it up there. Okay, moving on. So Hockey Canada is uh, still dealing with the fallout of this... uh, huge incident that came out in May where uh, it revealed that Hockey Canada had settled a lawsuit after a woman said she was sexually assaulted by eight players, including members of the country's world junior team. Uh, So a 221-page document 
followed by an independent probe by the Supreme Court justices, was released on Friday. Um, basically, they're still in hot shit. They're trying to figure out Hockey Canada's recent experiments as, as a testament to that. Confidence takes time to build. A Hockey Canada official basically testified before Canadian Parliament in July that the organization had doled out almost $8 million in nine settlements reported to sexual assault since 1989, which we've, we've covered this in past uh, Weeknight Chronicles episodes. Now, um, the NHL is now beginning to conduct an investigation because many of the players from that 2018 World Junior team... That's my phone. I thought I silenced it. Uh, Hockey Canada... Mm-hmm. The NHL, because a lot of the players are now playing in the NHL. Hockey Canada has announced that members of the 2003 Men's World Junior rosters were investigated for sexual assault. Uh, None of the allegations from 2003 or 2018 have yet to be proved in court, however. But basically, this report by the Supreme Court Justice came out. It says that, uh, basically, hey, you guys fucked up and you didn't do anything about this and it's, you know, you guys want to make it water under the bridge, but we're not going to make it water under the bridge. There's going to be potential jail time. Basically, it's it's a good story to follow. Uh, Hockey Canada's been, you know, they're not looking so good in the eyes of anybody. What Hockey Canada is, is it's like the governing body kind of of hockey. In Can- Anyways. Canada hockey. Canada hockey, yeah. Hockey Hot Canada. Seat. Hot seat. Hot seat. Basically, and... We'll keep uh, on full blown with that. I, I just love that in this this new Me Too movement that's going out, and I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off, and I'm not trying to. Uh, I love that these stories are coming out in light because nothing gives me more joy than ridiculing people that deserve to be ridiculed. And when you yeah. fuck up like that, yeah. and uh, sexual assault on an innocent woman, like I hope you not only get your dick cut off, I hope you lose your fucking job. I hope you get outed by your own fam. Like, hats off to these people for having the courage to come forward, and hats off to everybody else for spanking the peepees of people who were in charge and didn't do a fucking thing about yeah, it. Yeah. Spank that peepee. <laughs> so, damn it. Damn it. Uh, here's something we've been slowly working into weeknight episodes. You want to talk about horse racing? <laughs> So, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. Uh, the last time we had horse racing news, uh, in a weeknight Chronicles episode was, uh, about a month ago, maybe. And I didn't really follow up on it since then, but there has been a horse that has come and kind of took the world by storm and it happened so fast. He's now retired. So <laughs> That's a like, class what horse the fuck? right there, folks? I'll tell you right now. Dude, I'm having so much fun. Like, we're, we're recording on a Sunday night, which we, we never do. But Kurt's in line out like me. Kurt don't ever go to bed like midnight anyways. So I showed up at 6 o'clock and was like, fuck it, send it, let's record. And old Hattie old girl was like, send it. So, And I'm so excited. We're already having so much fun. That was a fast fucking horse. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> Holy so out the gate, and he retired. no, I mean, out the gate, and it was re- gone. It retired. Like fuck. Yeah. Right. Okay. So broke record, I, I, I 
So there's this horse called Flightline. Ah. Not Dateline NBC, Flightline. <laughs> He's been retired, and he will now stand at stud. Oh, yeah. After completing a <laughs> dominant, unbeaten career capped by a runaway victory uh, at the Breeders' Cup Classic at Keeneland. So the son, Flightline is the son of the legendary horse Tappet, and he will begin his breeding career next year at the farm in Versailles, Kentucky. Will you shut the fuck up? I'm trying to get through this. <laughs> Tap it. Tap it. He's going to be tapping. This is what I go through. This is why our episodes run three to four hours right here. He's the the horse's name was Tap It. And now Tap It's son is going to be doing Tap It. Yeah, and he's very fast. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, okay. So they're going to be in Versailles, Kentucky, which is down near Lexington, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Lane's End Farms announced a news release that the four-year-old bay <laughs> the four-year-old bay colt won the one and a quarter mile classic by a record eight and a quarter lengths, and he was a two to five favorite to cap a six-zero thoroughbred career. Kurt's like, it's one fast horse. He will be tapping it. Fast horse. He will be tapping it. Um, now, he was virtually unknown until his 19th and a quarter victory link in September's Grade 1 Pacific Classic at Del Mar. His combined victory margin of 62 and three-quarter links entering the season-ending championships drew a lot of attention from people, along with comparisons to the legendary Triple Crime winner, Secretariat. Now, trainer John Sandals' pupil lived up to the hype in the biggest race of his career, starting from the number four post. He and the Todd Pletcher trained Life is Good, horse 8-1, and one, soon jetted away from the six other horses at a blistering pace Fast. to form their own match race through the far turn. By then, Flightline had been reeling in Life is Good, drawing even as they turned for home and taking off from there. Now, Flightline's ownership syndicate is composed of five groups and has yet to determine what the stud fee will be. But a 2.5 fractional interest percent of flight line will be auctioned on Monday at Keeneland ahead of the track's November breeding stock sale. So they said, quote, we would like to thank trainer John Sandler and his team for the incredible work they did with Flightline, said Lane's End's uh, press rele- uh, publicist. His historic performances are a credit to their expertise and undrawing efforts to bring out the very best in every horse they have. Right on. Tap it. Tap it. Tap it. Stud fees. Stud fees and tap it. Yep. That's what a fitting name, right? <laughs> How much is your stud fee? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, bro. Whoa there. Kurt's like transition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, check out Glary Guitars on Facebook or check them out at glarymusic.com. Uh, Christmas time's coming up. What no better gift than to get your youngin' or your significant other a starter acoustic. Uh, they also do have uh, acoustics for seasoned players. Uh, they also have uh, basses, violins, mandolins. They have them all. Uh, and they are relatively very affordable. Uh, I bought two acoustics almost two years ago, about 80 bucks each. 
And uh, Kurt played with my new acoustic. So uh, give Glary a call at 1-606-404-6286. Uh, again, check them out on the web. That's glarymusic.com. Glary is spelled G-L-A-R-R-Y. Pickets and tappets. Ooh, boys, that is a mighty finer picking and a grinning. I don't know what he said. Yeah, singing and so, uh, and Kurt. Yes, sir. I got a topic you're going to love. All right. Brittany Griner. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the reason right. is. No, Be- I've heard of her. Becky she, Hammond, we all got, know. She got caught with some weed, right? Yeah. 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 A little bit of weed. And they threw her through the ringer. I mean,. She did open her mouth and speak a lot of dumb shit and retarded shit and stuff. She said, I shouldn't say retarded. I apologize. She spoke a lot of stupid shit that she shouldn't have. And she ran her, she ran her trap hole and then uh, she got in trouble. But the fact is she's in jail for possession of weed. It's fucking weed. It's fucking, it's fucking weed. I mean, I don't smoke it, but like, who cares who does? It's a plane. It comes from the fucking earth. Like, how are you going to illegalize something? That's like DMT. I told you. We listened to the DMT episode. We did the DMT episode last year. Joe Rogan swears by it. I would do DMT in a heartbeat if I get my hands on it. It comes out of your body. How the fuck are you going to make it an illegal substance? Right. It's produced in your body. Yeah. In small doses. See, you've done your research. After we talked about DMT, oh, you've yeah. done your research oh, on yeah. DMT. Yeah, yeah. You know, Joe Rogan speaks so much about DMT that every bit of DMT in people's bodies go, have you heard of Joe Rogan? It's a fun fact. <laughs> Damn it. So we all know who Becky Hammond is, right? She's a great professional basketball player. She's a coach now. and uh, Becky Hammond was the 2022 WNBA Coach of the Year, uh, champion with the Las Vegas Aces. She spoke out now uh, against the detainment of Brittany Griner. Uh, she had a conversation this past week uh, with uh, ESPN's uh, women analysis, Hannah Storm. Hammond, um, she, uh, in October, became the first person to lead a WNBA team to a title in her debut season as head coach. She spent a lot of time overseas in Russia during her playing days. She became a naturalized Russian citizen 15 years ago, allowing her to play on their national team at the 2008 and 2012 Olympics back when Hammond was a player. Hammond's one of the most famous female basketball players in the world, right up there with uh, Leslie. uh, Can't think of Leslie's last name now. Anyways. uh, Lisa Leslie? Yeah, Lisa Leslie. There you go. Hey, look at the big brain on Kurt. Wow. 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 You know something about women's sports. Wow. Lisa Leslie was a bad motherfucker. She, dude, she was more competitive than some of the guys playing in the NBA at the time. Fuckress. A fuckress? Yeah, a bad motherfuckers. A bad motherfuckers. I think, yeah. Dude, and she would throw, you ever watch the NBA game, WNBA games? Some of them women get in there and throw bows, man. I don't know if I want to be mixing up with them or not. There's some athletic ability out there for sure. Anyways, moving on. Becky Hammond said of Griner's detainment that it's so wrong, it's a gut punch, there's so many things that are normal over there, and I'm like, it's not normal. She's been turned into a political pawn between two countries, and it's very unfortunate. So now, Kurt and I, we talked about Brittany Griner at length in uh, a couple of uh, 
weeknight episodes and our last full-length current events episode back in August. Uh, Griner, for those of you that don't remember, haven't been paying attention, she was popped in Russia in February for bringing in a vape cartridge carrying uh, cannabis oil. She was convicted on drug charges and sentenced to nine years in prison, a decision that was upheld about a week and a half ago during her big appeal. Now, the case is believed to eventually conclude with a prisoner swap, most believe, although experts continue to say Russia is not expected to work toward a deal with the United States before elections this month, which, by the way, go out and vote this week, by the way. We don't get political. We just tell people to vote. Or if you don't want to vote, don't fucking vote. But if you don't vote, don't bitch. How about that? So Hannon was also announced at the summit starting December that she'll serve as a studio analyst for ESPN for the upcoming season. And she continued to use her platform to say, if this was LeBron James, is LeBron James sitting over there in a Russian prison for nine years? I doubt it. That's what she said. I doubt very much. So, um, Oh, them brewskis are pretty tough, though. Yeah, but dude, like, look at it this way. They they get big money out of him. If okay, if this is Tom Brady, right? I fucking hate you, Tom Brady. If this is Tom Brady and he's got a vape pen over in Russia, and they sentence him nine years, how long do you think Tom Brady actually spends in prison in Russia? Brady's been in there nine months now, but I I guarantee you, Brady's in there. Brady's out of there in two weeks. Maybe a month tops. Oh, they ranted, ranted him for a bunch of money. I don't know. So, however you want about Brittany Griner, and we don't get political. We don't talk Democrats and Republicans, yeah. and you know, kneeling before the fucking anthem. And we do, we do ridicule Colin Kaepernick, and I will continue to do that yeah. at every chance I get. And yeah. if you don't want to listen to the show, don't fucking listen to it. Right. Kaepernick was a con man. Yeah. Me and you have established this before. Yeah. Kaepernick never gave two fucks about racial injustices. Kaepernick carried about money and getting his face out yep. in the media. Be that as is may. Oh, fuck, fuck. Can, can, can you give me one? Can you just give yeah, me yeah, one? Yeah, 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 so I was checking my Facebook timeline. And what, my, what I do every day, at, at the every start of every new day, I click on memories. And it shows you all your posts from like years prior and everything. So what popped up on my memories this weekend was where I made the post uh, about Kaepernick. It was after he, it was last year, just a year ago. Keep in mind, where he made the documentary about the NFL and the particularly the draft process, where he called the NFL draft and the combine nothing but a, a big slave trading expo, and you know they make us dress down to our underwear to get weight. Which you fucking idiot. That's how you get legally weighed. You strip to your goddamn boxer shorts, anyways. You fucking douchebag. Uh, but anyways. Uh, he it was just funny. Kaepernick did all this a year ago, and the the film come out, and he was all doing the media tour on it, the documentary, and the, there are a bunch of slave traders and racists. But yet, what did we talk about this past summer or spring? He was trying to get a job with the NFL. He wanted somebody just to let him have a chance to come in and compete. Like they're not going to let you come in and compete after you call him a, a slave trader exposition. Like how stupid are you? So, no, we don't get political at all, but we will ridicule Kaepernick every chance we get. And if you don't like it, I guess don't fucking listen to my show. That's how I feel about it. However you feel about Griner, she is hemmed up on a bullshit charge. Uh, A vape pen carrying a little bit. And it it was cannabis oil. They called it oil. Right. Like, this is bullshit. It is bullshit. 
This is just like the state of Indiana fishing license. What did I, what did we just oh, talk yeah. about a minute ago? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? It's it's a what it's for the state? Grabber. It's a money grab. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Tell everybody how you feel about that. Gotta have a license to catch a fish, huh? How stupid is that? Wow. It's a money grab for the yeah, state. There's better ways is there? Is there? I don't know. I don't know if this is true. I guess I could Google it. But anybody out there listening to the show, do you have to have a license to fish for every state? Is that a, is that a state requirement in all fifty states? I bet it is. It's like, it like is. one of the most useless laws on the books. I don't think you have to have a license if you're fishing on private property. I don't think. But if you let's say we went to somebody else's pond, or we, we went to Patoka, you have to have a license. Yeah. Or we go to Patoka. Right. One of the most right. famous lakes in the entire state of Indiana. Right. That's <sighs> fine. stupid. It's fucking stupid, dude. Yeah. Well, I got all. We were having a lot of fun, and then I had to talk about Kaepernick. And now I'm pissed. Yeah, he's he's pisses people off. <sighs> Colin, I know you're never gonna hear this, but if you do, Fuck you're me. a piece of shit. Yeah. You. Oh, dude! I even I just I should I went I went in there and I you sh- I I should have reshared the post, but in hindsight, looking back on it last year, I was like, damn, I was pretty pissed. Like he just oh, he's a comment, and people fell for it. People fell for every yeah. word of it. Yeah. Well. Anyways, Kurt's like you should see Kurt's right now. He's like he's not even looking at me. He's looking away. He's like Jared, shut up before you say something bad. Jared, yeah, shut up before you say something bad. We gotta forgive people now. I'll forgive him with a shovel right across the face. <laughs> remember, him, uh, kill him with kindness, man. Remember little Nikki, yes, Adam Sandler yes. smacks him in the face yeah. with a shovel. Right, <laughs> yeah. straighten his hair out, wouldn't you? Man? <laughs> I told you this was gonna be a fun episode. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> it was a pretty good talent, though. So, and here's the thing. I never took anything away from Kaepernick's athletic ability in the first couple seasons. But the IQ might have been missing, right? Definitely. The first couple of seasons, he did fine. But by year three, year four, year five, whatever it was, defenses had figured him out. What was Kaepernick known for? What what were they running? The scramble, the read option and all that stuff. Defenses figured it out. And I know everybody's like, well, God, you know, Jared Kaepernick took him to a fucking Super Bowl in 2020. No, 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 numb nuts. Let me tell you what happened here. The San Francisco 49ers defense that year shut down pretty much everybody in the yeah, league. Exactly. That defense took him to the league. Alex Smith got them to six and whatever, seven and whatever, eight and whatever, right. got injured. Alex Smith and that defense is what took them there. Don't even tell me that this was Kaepernick. They might even won the Super Bowl if they had Alex Smith in there. <sighs> Hey, I was happy to see Joe Flacco win one, baby, for the Ravens. I love me some Joe Flacco. Uh, I don't like it. So, but no, it just boils down to some people says some people like you know you know you're being racist or where have I said any fucking thing at all racist? Well, you're being hateful. Yeah, I'm a hateful person inside. Ask Kurt. I hate him half the time too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I personally. Hope and pray that he never plays another down of professional football again. I agree. And say I feel the same way about Deshaun Watson. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 What's the difference? Well, now when you put me on the spot, I feel like I'm promoting sexual abuse, which you're going to make it sound like. 
He got a couple handies in the massage parlor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For those of you that don't, go back to uh, one of the first three or four episodes of the Weeknight Chronicles we did. It should be in the uh, episode notes. Uh, Kurt and I had a little back and forth battle uh, on a remote episode. I was at my house. Kurt was here. It was a weeknight episode where we were talking about whether you take a chance on Deshaun Watson. And I said, I make, I make that trade, take that chance 10 times out of 10. And Kurt's like, no, no. Well, damn. Now I say, I feel that way about Kaepernick. And you're like, what about Deshaun Watson? So I guess, I guess fuck them both. I hope they both never play. How about that? Yeah. 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 Holy fuck. I feel like, uh, well, I mean, do you want to deserve it? To see success again? Yeah. In their uh, own personal life, I could give a shit less. On the on the platform that is the NFL field, fuck no. Right. Deshaun done fucked up too. Yeah, I agree. And, it, it, and he was he was a once why, in a generation talent. That's why I don't spend that kind of money on him because he's not smart enough to take you to the Super and, Bowl. And Deshaun was a once in a lifetime, not lifetime, once in a generation. You only get an athlete and a quarterback like that once every 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, all kinds of talent. Squandered away. Yeah. By Squandered away. Foolish, dumb. And Cleveland does the most fucking Cleveland thing that Cleveland can do. Let's give up three or four first-round picks and a shitload of money to this guy. I know it was Baker Mayfield, but at least he would have had a quarterback in there. I mean, not. Hey, man, I'm a Baker guy. You give Baker the right system, right fit. He's not big enough. Jacoby Brissett. He's doing all right. Hey, I, I love. I did too. I, I thought Jacoby Brissett. I thought he played pretty good football with Indy. Oh, he he did without a doubt. Like I love Jacoby Brissett. Uh, what I've seen it means if you can run the football, which they can, and he can complete a third down pass. Yeah, Kurt. Yeah, we better move off from this topic. <laughs> no, <laughs> we done lost a hundred of our three hundred and twenty-eight listeners from last month. <laughs> well, so uh, let's let's move on to something a little lighter. Uh, Raul Rosas Jr. Whoa, whoa! You know who that is? Lighter? He said, "What was your name again?" Raul Raul Raul, Raul. Rosas Jr. Junior. I haven't watched any of the sh- any of the shows on him, but he's going to become the youngest fighter to compete in the UFC. He's six and zero right now. He's set to make his UFC debut against Jay Perrin at UFC 282 on December 10th. Uh, he become the youngest fighter to win a contract on Dana White's Contender Series via unanimous decision. At the time he won the contract in October. Or uh, he was just 17. He just celebrated his 18th birthday on October 8th. So he will be the youngest fighter to ever step into the octagon. Yeah. Here we go. Now, yeah. So I just think that's cool, you know? Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's change... Uh, Gears a little bit, and let's go to some NBA news that's directly tied to NFL news. Is there any drug testing in the NBA? Is there drug testing in the NBA? Yeah. Well, I would sure, I, surely, I imagine. Oh, You're talking about like mandatory every month, yeah, every week. Look pretty high. 
Hootie looked pretty high. All of them. <laughs> well, maybe they got a hold of Goran Gojic's <laughs> 22 tons of cocaine right, right, valued at right. $1 billion. $1 billion. $1 billion dollars worth of coke, not cola. Kevin Durant. Yeah, he does blow. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, Do okay. you know where Kevin Durant is from? Uh, now, hang on. Before you answer that, I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify something for you. He was. <laughs> uh, uh, inside joke between two co-hosts. That's all. Kevin Durant played college ball at Texas. Go Longhorns. Austin was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. But do you know where Kevin Durant grew up, where he was born and raised? This ties directly to an NFL team that he's now looking to become part of ownership of. Los Angeles. Washington Command. Commander. Again. A DC boy? Yeah. Didn't know that. Again, you had two or three fucking seasons before you decided to play safe from the PC police. Two or three seasons, two or three years to come up with something after Redskins, and the best you can come up with Commander. is Commanders. I get it. It's our nation's capital, but seriously. The Pentagons would have been better than that. No. I mean, you got it. You could have cooked something like the Warhawks or something, or, or like, uh, like something, to tank, with, something to do with the soldiers. Like tanks or torpedoes or something like Commanders. Anyways, Kevin Durant, a lifelong fan of the Washington Redskins, or excuse me, Commanders. See how hard it is to yeah, stop saying. I know. So, <laughs> says he's hopeful that he can be part of the organization's new ownership groove if an opportunity presented itself. This comes on the heels of what's going on uh, in the NFL. Uh, the Commanders announced earlier this week that controversial owner Dan Snyder, who's owned the team for years. Uh, him and his wife, Tanya, uh, have hired Bank of America Securities to explore potential transactions involving the team. What that means is um, he's looking to sell the team, get out from the NFL. The NFL. <laughs> now, this comes on the, on the heels of, uh, for those of you that don't know, get in your Google machine. Uh, Kurt and I talked about this uh, late spring, early summer after I'd started my new job in a weeknight episodes. They are under a shit ton of uh, investigation by the SEC, the are not not the football SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Everything there, there's a whole lot of hibbity dibbity hoo hoo bullshit going on with Washington, uh, mismanagement of funds, skimming the books. Uh-oh. So uh, Snyder's looking to get out now. There has been um, people that have come forward or discussed probably coming forward. Uh, a, a lead candidate uh, has been rumored to be Jeff Bezos, the guy that owns Amazon. You know he's got money. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite rappers of all time, Jay-Z. Jay-Z is interested in uh, putting together people. Jay-Z's got a lot of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. And he's married to Beyonce, and she's got hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But them hundreds of millions of dollars put together, they still ain't got enough money to buy the commanders. Really? So Jay-Z's looking to partner with some people, even potentially Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Kevin Durant. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, well. Um, a person with knowledge of the situation told ESPN over the weekend 
that Jeff Bezos has interest in the team, though, with multiple reports saying Jay-Z could potentially be a partner with him in a bid. Um, Matt Ashiba, who was a finalist for the Denver Broncos ownership bid earlier this year, released a statement expressing interest as well. Byron Allen, who also made a bid on the Broncos, has also said that he'd be interested. But Durant, who was born and raised in D.C., said he was surprised to hear that Snyder appears to be selling the team. Durant would say, quote, I mean, how long has he had it now, 20-plus years? He's probably the only owner I've known since I've been alive for the Redskins slash Commanders. See, Kevin Durant says Redskins. Nobody bats a fucking eye. So it's definitely shocking to see him put the team up for sale because it's his baby. Um, But that's going to be a team that everybody wants to be a part of in the league. It's going to be one of the most lucrative teams in sports. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of bidders, Durant says. He views the Commanders as a sleeping giant within the NFL and believes that the young pieces are in place for Washington to start winning games consistently. So, oh, what? What? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please. I love your commentary. You laughed at winning games consistently? This ain't the Joe Theismann, Mark Ripon, Doug Williams. And uh, John Riggins. John Riggins was a beast. And Art Monk and all the balls. Oh, my God. Kirk got an Art Monk reference in. Damn right I did. He was pretty damn solid. Kevin Durant does have experience being part of ownership for professional sports teams, though, because he bought a 5% stake two years ago in the Philadelphia Union of Major League Soccer. In October, he became co-owner of a pickleball team with his business partner. What the fuck is a pickleball team? Look at me. Folks, hop in your Google machine. Let's find out what a pickleball team is. So I will keep you updated on on what's going on there, but it's rumored to be um, the money is not out there. Uh, Durant said uh, he thinks it's probably a five to six billion dollar franchise. So, yeah. Cowboys are worth a lot of money. Yeah. Cowboys are worth Yankee money. Yeah. Uh, America's team. <laughs> America's team. Yeah. That's what I was told. What they say. Michael Irvin was something. He was something. Especially when he was high on coke. coke. Yeah. I'd say he does. Hey, tell coke. me, tell that story again for the story about the uh, the basketball team. Oh, uh, Villanova? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary McLean, I think. Point guard on that team said the whole team was high on cocaine when he beat Georgetown. They that, that was, was in a Sports Illustrated, I'm pretty sure. That was the year Pat, Patrick Ewing would have been on that Georgetown team, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And they were high as fuck. Villanova yeah, Ed, was. Dickney, Dwayne McLean, Gary McLean, they was all high as fuck. Jensen, Jensen was. The These white. are college athletes high, strung out on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Playing for the national title. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about a lot of cocaine in this show. Speaking of cocaine, there was a story you told me one time off air, and I want you to tell it again just because it's it's so funny. We're talking about so much cocaine. I I might title this the Cocaine Chronicles. (laughs) But what what was the dude... 
the uh, the colored guy, the black guy, the uh, the badass pitcher, way before I was born. Oh, for Doc the good for the pirate. No, the pirates guy was it? Doc Gooden. It was Doc Gooden. Yeah. What was the story on that? Well, him and Daryl Strawberry. They right? something about wasn't it cocaine or acid or something took a hit and went out there and pitched a no hitter or something. Uh, I can't remember now. It's cocaine. He went out there like high as fuck off cocaine. It had been strung out for like two or three days. And pitched a gym. Took another hit and then went out there and pitched a no-hitter. Well, I mean, it's, it's a... You're strung out too... No, 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 no. Don't even... Don't even... Don't even... Don't even... Don't even... Don't even. Let's, let's look at this realistically. You're strung out. So when I think of the term strung out, I think that means you're stoned and you're high and you're awake two or three, four days, Right. Okay, so he's awake two, three, four days. Then he takes another hit of Coke, whether he smokes it, shoots it, snorts it, whatever, before the game, then goes out there as it's kicking in and throws a fucking no-hitter. Yeah. How, how is that even possible? Was, how are you even po- You're up for three days straight. How are you not dead exhausted? He was focused. <laughs> you know... If Major League Baseball would have found that out at the time, that motherfucker. <laughs> Keith Hernandez admitted he was high as, uh, on coke as a motherfucker when he did St. Louis. It was 85, 87. Yeah, somewhere in there. He admitted it. Oh, yeah, 87 World Series. <laughs> high on coke. They, that was against. Uh, a couple players, yeah. That was against what, the Brewers? I think he said George Hendricks, maybe. And- no, what against the Brewers? Yeah. High as fuck. This is the drug episode. <laughs> H-A-F. Huh. H-A-F. High A-F. High as fuck. That's <laughs> Shout out Adam Sweet. He always says A-F. He said all the time. He said, hey, bud, I need you to get this part for me. It's hot A-F, bud. Hot A-F, bud. <laughs> Shout out Adam Sweet. Yeah. Uh. So, we got some NFL trade deadline news. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire trade deadline, every transaction, because there was a lot. Uh, This was the busiest trade deadline in NFL history. Yeah, like, there was a lot of moving pieces. Uh, And apparently, there's several teams who are pissed off about the NFL trade deadline and the madness. So, apparently... Words coming out of the NFL over the weekend that multiple teams have reached out to the NFL's league offices to inquire about pushing the trade deadline back uh, two weeks to a month. Uh, usually the trade deadline comes about week eight, the halfway point. They're looking to push it back to like week 10 or 12. This issue is expected to be raised at their next uh, general uh, manager committee meetings later this month and could be discussed further and presented to vote at the ownership meetings during the offseason in the spring. Uh, Pushing the trade deadline back would be consistent with what the NFL has tried to accomplish in recent moves. In recent years, the league has expanded practice squads, made veteran players eligible for those practice squads, changed the rules governing injured reserve, and players designated return from IR. So a, a trade deadline later could conceivably lead to increased activity because teams would have more clarity regarding their chances to make the playoffs. The NFL previously moved the trade deadline about a decade ago, pushing it back 
uh, two weeks from Tuesday after week six to Tuesday after week eight. It's not changed much in the last 10 years, but uh, this was one of the biggest trade deadlines in NFL history. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to go through it all, but some notable notable moves that happened. Uh, the Colts got rid of Niam Hines, sent him packing to Buffalo. He's a pretty good runner, wasn't he? Yeah, very deep. I don't ha- – oh, man, I thought it was going to uh, – pull up i had a couple of them pulled out here but i guess i don't what to get for him the they got another running back zach moss and they got a conditional fifth round draft pick for this upcoming year um they got smashed today but oh by the patriots yeah like, holy shit yeah i felt like uh very tom brady and peyton manning uh the jacksonville jaguars and the atlanta falcons did a little building uh calvin ridley who's been suspended for the uh, sports betting and everything oh, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, he's on his way to Jacksonville. Jacksonville gave up a third round or a fifth and round pick this coming year and a second round pick in the following year. Um, not a whole lot of other big news. Uh, Claypool, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Claypool went to Chicago. For a seventh round draft pick and a defensive back, that's definitely going to help uh, Justin Fields in Chicago. Uh, yeah, they they got beat by yeah Miami today, didn't they? Yeah. Now, one of the biggest things that was pushing at the week of the, at the trade deadline was um, the Ravens got star linebacker Roquan Smith. He's a former first round pick for the Bears. Uh, I didn't see that going, Roquan. Roquan's been one of my favorite players in the league. He's a solid defensive back. Uh, the Giants' number one receiver since Sterling Shepard went out has been uh, Kadarius Tony, and he's going to Kansas City, who's already got Juju Smith-Schuster and all the other guys they got. So it's it, it was a bit, and I could go on. There's multiples in here. There was a lot of um, changes to be made so of course you know christian mccaffrey right. had went the week before the deadline so he's injury prone though he's yeah. a good running back so do we do we have anything major league baseball to talk about oh yeah the uh, biggest news coming out of major league baseball the st louis cardinals they hired sl- what did you got something else you want to talk about biggest news well what kurt what world else series kurt just went down you know what world series I never, I never saw a World uh, Series. Yeah, I know Philly. What? You fanatic. What? The Philly's fanatic. Was there a World Series? Yes. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, the 2008 World Series, because that's uh, the year we're living in. The uh, Phillies uh, exactly. just beat the Rays. Yeah, exactly. And I'm stuck in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Gibson, pandemonium. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about the fucking World Series near the end of the show. They cheated again. Somewhere. Fucking. Oh, God, are we going to talk about the World Series at the end of the show? Uh, I got some St. Louis Cardinals news. All right. Matt Holiday. Red chain <laughs> I'm having too much Sam fun tonight. Musial. I'm having too much fun tonight. Matt Holiday. Yeah. He was a super big piece in helping them win the World Series in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. He has been hired to replace Skip Schumacher as... Skip Schumacher was a big part of them winning that. Yeah, 
Schumacher was hired last month as manager of the Miami Marlins. Uh, Wait, with the name I skip, you knew you did. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he he uh he's going to be a uh he's going to be a, a bench coach for them for the Mar- he for the Cardinals. He announced that the Cardinals also announced that Dusty Blake who had been a pitching strategist was promoted to pitching coach and Turner Ward who had been an assistant hitting coach was permitted to hitting coach. Now, um basically they're they're addressing all their their needs uh the 42-year-old Matt Holliday is a seven-time All-Star during his 15-year career. He had been coaching at Oklahoma State in his hometown of Stillwater. Uh, Holliday began his career, for those of you that don't remember this, with the Colorado Rockies before spending eight years in St. Louis where he would become one of the team favorites. He retired in 2018 after a year with the Yankees and a final year back in Colorado. The Cardinals filled out their coaching staff by choosing Brandon Allen, a member of their minor league team, uh, as their assistant hitting coach. So, the Cardinals went 93-69 and and won their second NL Central title in the past four years and then were swept by the eventual National League champion and World Series winning Philadelphia Phillies in their two-game wildcard series. At least one of those is factual. We'll get to it. I'm so fucking. Well, yeah. We'll get to it. It burns when your team don't win. Damn it. This one hurt worse than losing in 2009 to the Yankees. Well, at least you didn't have the highest payroll and have the best players supposedly, and like choke it. You guys got bounced and. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. I got something in the news later that's gonna make you. Smile. They're predicted to be the overall odds-on favorite to win the World Series next year. Oh boy! In Vegas. Uh, do you want to talk some NHL? Yeah, puck it. Puck it. So, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, who, by the way, out of all the commissioners in the Big Four, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL, Gary Bettman is the most likable of the four guys. Bettman's a class act. He's a gentleman. Uh, until today, he's kind of being a dick now. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> so, and this 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 involves the Boston Bruins and one of my all time favorite NHL players in history, uh, Cam Neely, who is basically running the show in Boston. Uh, yeah, Cam Neely was a beat. For those of you that don't know who Cam Neely is, do you remember the Jim Carrey movie Dumb and Dumber? Yes. Cam Neely played the character Seabass. Kick his ass, Seabass. That was, I shit you not, for those of you blowing your mind up. What? That was Cam Neely. And, uh, hey, we're looking for two big, strong men to oil this down. <laughs> You're in luck. There's a town down There's there. There's a town. <laughs> we'll get our break one of these days. Do you realize what you've done? You got to excuse my friend. The town is not that way. It's that, that way. way. <laughs> and they're looking like. They're all standing there, all hooterific, and they're just looking like, really, guys? You can come touch our boobs. We'll like, catch a break one of these days, Yeah, we'll man. catch a break one of these days. But, yeah, Cam Neely's a – God, I love Cam Neely. He struck any – I, you know, me and Tyson talked about this on our hockey season preview episode a few weeks ago. Uh, I said there was anybody who says they weren't intimidated when Cam Neely stepped on the ice. They were lying. But, anyway, so let's get into this. So, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said over the weekend that the Boston Bruins 
did not consult the league before signing Mitchell Miller, who's Mitchell Miller, we'll get into this, and that he would need to see a whole and that he would need to see a whole bunch of things going forward. Bettman's comments came a day after the Bruins announced that they had signed Miller, a prospective defenseman, to an entry-level contract. Now, where we get issue with this at is that Miller was a fourth-round pick by the Arizona Coyotes in 2020 until his draft rights were relinquished after a story was published about he and another classmate were convicted of assaulting, assaulting and bullying a black, developmentally disabled classmate. Oh, yeah, Kurt, it, it gets better from this. So the report revealed how Miller, now 20 years old, and another middle school classmate were convicted in juvenile court in 2016 for racially abusing and bullying Isaiah Meyer Crothers. In the report, Meyer Crothers' mother, boy, that's a Meyer mouthful. Meyer Crothers' mother. Meyer Crothers' mother's alleged that Miller began abusing her son in second grade and repeatedly used racist slurs. Bettman said, Commissioner Bettman said, what he had heard anecdotally and understood through media reports about what Miller did was a reprehensible, unacceptable act. He said the Bruins did not consult the league, but he has since spoken with team president Cam Neely. Bettman would say, quote, he's not coming into the NHL. He's not eligible at this point to come into the National Hockey League. I can't tell you that he'll ever be able to. I can't tell you that he'll never be eligible to come in the NHL. If, in fact, at some point they think they want him to play in the league, I'm not sure they're anywhere close to that point. We're going to have to clear him and his eligibility, and it'll be based on all the information we get firsthand at that time. It just gets better. Let me roll with this. This is a great story. Unfortunately, it's a terrible story what happened to this young man. Bettman said the Bruins were free to sign Miller to play somewhere else, a reference to the fact that Miller was sent to play for the Bruins' AHL affiliate league, the Providence Bruins, but he added, nobody should think at this point he is or may ever be an NHL-eligible player for the Bruins or any team in the league. Understand that now. Now, the Players Association said, uh, they told ESPN Saturday that the, the league has not informed them about any suspension for Miller or any other action that would impact, impact his eligibility to play in the league. As far as the Bruins are concerned, since there's no suspension going on, he's free to play. The NHL says, no, no, the fuck he's not. Okay. So now we have a pissing contest. Right. When asked about Bettman's comments regarding, regarding Miller's eligibility, man, I can't talk. Well, we got too excited and amped up earlier. <laughs> so <laughs> NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told ESPN that Bettman wouldn't rule on the eligibility without a hearing. According to a source with knowledge of the situation, Miller's contract has been registered with the NHL and that there was nothing official from the league that would have prevented him from any team signing him. Now, Bruins captain uh, forward, Bruins captain uh, Patrice Bergeron, forward Nick Fogliano, and coach Jim Montgomery addressed the situation with Miller following a morning skate in Toronto ahead of their game against the Maple Leafs. The culture that we built here goes against that type of behavior. We're a team built with character and character people. What he did is unacceptable, and we don't stand by that. In this locker room, we all are about inclusion, diversity, and respect. Those are key words and core values that we have as Bruins players. We expect guys to wear this jersey to be high-character people with integrity and respect. Hopefully, there's growth and change. Bergeron said if Miller is the same person that he was as the 14-year-old boy who 
bullied Myers Crothers that he would not be accepted, wanted, or welcome. He said the Bruins culture is not going to change, and the changes are far from individual himself. Now, one last thing on this. Fogliano said it was a tough thing for the team to hear about after learning the Bruins had signed Miller. I'm not going to lie to you, he said. I don't think any guy was too happy this guy was going to be a part of the group. This is a group of people that cares a lot about ourselves and how we carry ourselves and how we're presented to the public, how we treat people. Montgomery, who was in his first season with the team, said he does not know Miller but added that he, what he did was a reprehensible act and that Miller should show everyone he's doing the right thing going forward. So, I know it's a lot to take in. Uh, I, I gave him a chance. See where he goes from there. So, if, if he's... He's convicted of doing something when he was a 14-year-old boy. Right. Bullying a bullying and abusing a developmentally well, I mean, a developmentally dischallenged boy and he was also colored uh during a decade we're in now where racial tensions are the highest they've been in this country in the last he 10 needs years. To apologize. And he needs to be sincere. Oh yeah. And then if he don't do that, well then you can't play. Because I think the overall the league can't have that. It's no, just, but it's it's interesting to see. Like, uh, I mean, he was how old is he now? He's in his twenties now. now. He was he was a teenager when it happened. Right, an early teenager. Right. So, he had no upbringing. The way it sounds to me. Well, you know, one thing one thing that that always interests me here, and for those of you that don't know shit about hockey, um, the four biggest sports in the world fuck soccer. The four biggest, at least in North America, it's the the NFL above all else. Then probably the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball and the NHL usually swap back and forth for the third right. spot. Right. But you don't hear a lot about racial injustices or people. There's not a lot of players that when Kaepernick was taking the knees and everything, not a lot of NHL players would do that on the ice. Right. There's not been a whole lot of uh, of any racial thing, but there has been unity. Now, the whole George Floyd thing, when that happened last year, that turned, uh, or two years ago, whenever it happened, 20, I don't remember what year George Floyd happened, 20, 21, whatever. Uh, that changed a lot of things, and a lot of people started standing up. Um, if you fuck up, it, here's the thing. Kurt and I have said on this show thousands of times, when people fuck up, we ride their ass. But when people deserve a break, we we give them a break. So how can you be, you know, one way all the time? Here, here's the thing. What this kid did to another kid when he was a teenager is a completely fucked up situation. Yeah. Okay. It not only is it wrong because it was abuse of a of another child who was younger than him. They were both teenagers, but he was younger than him. It's also abuse of somebody who's developmentally disabled. And then it also, of course, it borders on the hate crime because it's a white boy beating the shit out of a black kid. So there's three strikes against you. So, yeah, he fucked up and he needs to be held accountable. But also what you don't understand is it's a teenager doing this to another teenager. How many of us have done stupid things when we were teenagers? Well, I mean, not that stupid, but you see where I'm going with this. Here's my bottom line on this. I love hockey. I love sports. We talk sports all the time. But at the end of the day, you got to do the right thing. Yeah. He fucked up as a teenager. Right. And he, and he needs to be held accountable for that. Uh, maybe a formal apology needs to be sent out. Uh, 
even though you know he's not he's just kind of ducked under the radar since his draft rights were given up two years ago right, right. by Arizona. Fucking come forward, hey, held a press conference. He ought to compensate somebody too if he if he if gets he, a contract. He ought, to he ought to give that family money. I agree, but to say that this kid doesn't deserve to play in the league, and I agree. Any time in the next year or so, no. There, you know, we are in such a revolution as we've talked about of politically correct times and Me Too movements and everything dealing with equality and racism, everything, and that's good. Change is not a bad thing. We fight it, but it's not a bad thing. You know, it's different than the 60s when they were leaving black bodies laying in the street. I shouldn't say it, but it was. we are so far better than that now. But this kid needs to probably not see the ice for at least a year because it's going to take people time to get acclimated to that. And then uh, a formal apology, and uh, basically half of his first contract needs to go to this. So I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking, yeah, just <laughs> enough to survive on for the first five contract you know, yeah. years, and then uh, we'll see where we're at. Let's pay. He, he deserves a chance, though. We're about halfway through. You you rolling good? Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's pay bill. Real fast, just so we can uh, put a little space in between us there. So, guys, check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana. Uh, I harp on them; they've been a they've been a huge supporter of us from day one. Uh, check out their Facebook page; a lot of good stuff on there. They do personalized engraving and direct garment printing, uh, vinyl decals, baby blankets, tumblers. Everything. Kurt just dropped his mic. <laughs> drop. Sounds like you were ripping ass right there. <laughs> uh, give Main Street Designs LLC a call or uh, message him on Facebook. Give him a call at 812-661-7765 or give him a shout out on Facebook. Tell him the uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboarders crew sent you. They will ship nationwide. Yes. Okay. So let's stay in the NHL for a minute if you let me. But I got lighter news. What? That's, that's, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I want to hear. I want to hear. I was just being stupid. I was going. <laughs> Looks like Kirk Kelly's doing something in my microphone. <laughs> Not me, no. Alexander Ovechkin. No. I just it dropped. <laughs> Mic drop. Over the weekend. <laughs> He set the NHL record for most goals scored. It kind of felt weird the way I was looking up at it. You know? with, <laughs> I fucking can't focus with you. <laughs> hey. Kurt was literally, I've got this huge microphone. Well, it was and like it, up above me and hanging down. Oh, God. I was like, uh, I had to drop it down. I felt a little bit weird. And I was are you, are you good? Yeah, you good? good? Yeah, I'm good. Alexander Ovechkin set an NHL record for most goals scored with one franchise, hitting his 787th career goal with the Capitals to break a tie with Hall of Famer Gordie Howe's career total with the Detroit Red Wings. Boo. Boo. I don't like old, whatever your name is. Ovechkin? Ovechkin. Yeah. yeah. So he spent all 18 years of his career with the Capitals, who drafted him first overall in 2004. No, not yet. Oh. He 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 was drafted in the first round, number one overall in 2004. He has won nine goal scoring titles, three Hart trophies as NHL MVP, and the 20 
2018 Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP, leading Washington to its only Stanley Cup championship. Whoa. Now, he broke the record for Gordie Howe. Howe scored 786. Howe? Gordie Howe. He scored 786 goals in 1,687 games with the Red Wings from 46 to 71. Now, Ovechkin is closing in on Howe's NHL career total of 801 goals, which is second all-time behind Wayne Gretzky's 894 record. Gretzky. Gretzky's the GOAT, baby. Yeah, he's pretty good. So, uh, let's give a little. Pretty dang good. And since we're right here in the NHL, uh, what's your NHL team again? Oh, wait, I'm looking at the Pens jersey yeah. right there on the wall. Yeah, that's right. So I'm a Preds fan. Yeah. But after the Preds, my second favorite team, because I believe everybody's got to have a Canada team to root for, too. Cause, oh, no, yeah. Because, you know, yeah, Canada, hey. yeah. Hey. So my Canadian team is the Sins, the Ottawa Senators. Oh, okay. And they're in the news, too. Fun fact. They're a bunch of hosers. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, You know how in baseball you got triple A, Single right. A, and you right. got the lowest of the lows, right. double A or one A ball. Right. Uh, when the Evansville Icemen were still playing in Evansville, Icemen? yeah, okay, they are now playing in Jacksonville. They're the Jacksonville Icemen. But when the Evansville Icemen were still playing in Evansville, they were basically the equivalent of a single A feeder system for the Ottawa Senators. Oh, so cool. Uh, but they announced over the week that the the team is for sale. With the one loan condition that the team must remain in Ottawa, it cannot relocate. Team, Sheld- team chairman Sheldon Pleaner said in a statement that it was a necessary and prudent step to connect with those deeply interested parties who can show us what their visions are for a future of the team. Now, the original the the owner Eugene Menlik died on March 28th at 62 after battling an illness. He had pl- previously planned to leave the team to his daughters. Uh, now this guy ended up taking uh over. His daughters do not want the team, so this the president of the league is now. Women don't dig hockey, I don't think. Well, Bud Adams's daughter is the one that's owns and runs the uh, Titans, but that's football. Yeah. Uh, any sale of the team would require approval by NHL Commissioner Gary Batman and the league's board of governors. The next board of governors meeting is scheduled for December in Florida. However, because of the additional layers involved, including a background check, it is unlikely that any sale would be approved before the end of the year. Uh, so basically, uh, the Senator's last time ownership changed hands was in 2003 for, at the time, $92 million. A recent valuation from Sports Business News Outlet listed the Senator's value right now at $655 million. The team's day-to-day operations has been handled by the board of directors since the owner's death. Um, and there's rumors uh, abound, of course, about who's going to take ownership of the team. Uh, whoever buys it, they can't. They got to stay in. That, yeah, that's the condition. This is there is no relocation allowed. That's my money. <clears throat> well, some of these franchises don't. Well, yeah. You know, like Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, right. and he always said if he sold the team, the one condition was he was not going to allow the team to relocate. Right. So well, they'd have to stay in Jacksonville. That's part of the terms of the agreement. Uh, it has been rumored, not confirmed, though, that uh, Ryan Reynolds, 
who you might know as Van Wilder, the movie Van Wilder. Never seen it. Oh, God. <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool. How about that? Deadpool. Deadpool. I may have seen it. Deadpool's Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Uh, he is um, potentially interested in purchasing the Senators, but they would have to, of course, stay in Ottawa. So. Okay, I need a drink before we're about to get into what we're going to get into now, which is something you wanted to get into. Kyrie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many uh, How many sports news headlines have you been keeping up with this week? Uh, very Neil. Neil, I mean, other than the World Series. No. You've not, you not done any news reading this week? No. Kyrie has been suspended for at least five games without pay. As of effective Friday, four. Uh, his repeated failure to unequivocally, unequivocally, which means major, hey, no, 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 unequivocally saying he has no anti Semitic beliefs. Oh, yeah, I did hear something. Oh, like yeah. So let's. What, what does that mean, even? So racist, racist views, hatred against Jews and blacks and coloreds, but. Ky- Kyrie's, uh, yeah, I know Kyrie's black. I get it. Yeah, right, right. Kanye's in the news for the same thing, and Kanye's black too. Let's just get into this. So uh, the the Nets and the league, uh, the Nets suspended him, uh, and they had said that Kyrie is currently unfit to be associated with the franchise. Damn it! So this all started because Kyrie. Uh, Failed to apologize for at first for his social media post a, a week ago about a book and movie that featured anti-Semitic uh, views. Quote from the Nets organization: "We were dismayed today when, given an opportunity in a media session, Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs, nor acknowledge specific hateful material used in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify." Such dissolve, such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to, deep, to do so is deeply disturbing against the values of our organization and constitutes de- conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. Damn. So what I'm about to get into here, this is going to be a little bit of the heart of the show, uh, which, you know, current events episodes, we, we really dive into it. Right. So, four hours pass after his suspension is announced. Kyrie issues an apology, which Commissioner Adam Silver wanted to happen way sooner. In an Instagram post, fucking hate Instagram, dude. Uh, Kyrie Kyrie Irving, I can't talk, I'm so excited. To all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected by my post, um... I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain, and I apologize. I initially reacted out of emotion to being unjustly labeled anti-Semitic instead of focusing on the healing process of my Jewish brothers and sisters that were hurt from the hateful remarks made in the documentary. I want to clarify any confusion on where I stand fighting against anti-Semitism by apologizing for posting the documentary without context and factual factual explanation outlining the specific beliefs in the documentary I agreed and disagreed with. I had no intentions to disrespect any Jewish cultural history regarding the Holocaust or perpetuate any hate. I am learning from this unfortunate event, and I hope we can understand, find an understanding between us all. He also wrote the movie contains some false um, 
some false anti-Semitic statements, narratives and languages that were untrue and offensive. If this phone goes off one more fucking time, dude, I'm going to flip my fucking lid. I'm going to turn this some. Can you feel it shaking the table? Oh, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. He's flipping his lid. Chatty dude. fucking Kathy's, bro. I'm muting the whole motherfucker and turn it off. I'm trying to do a fucking show, yeah. bro. Wow, that wow. pissed me off. All right. I lost my focus. This is how inter- mad focus. I get when I get interrupted on the show. You must focus. Focus. Focus and focus. Okay, so basically, uh, Kyrie refused to apologize, saying he meant no harm. Uh, there, there was this film called Hebrews to, Neg- to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. Uh, he said some of the things in the film were untrue, but he didn't say he shouldn't have posted a link to it. I'm not the one who made the documentary, he said. He was later asked whether he had anti-Semitic beliefs, and he did not respond with no. He said, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I came from. Now, uh, the Anti-Defamation League. What? (laughs) Yeah, there's an Anti-Defamation League that protects coloreds and... um, uh, what's the we're homosexuals and coloreds and it basically protects people from being defa- defamated against. Uh, the guy's name Jonathan Greenblatt. He reacted to a video of Kyrie's response, saying, "Do you have any Semitic beliefs?" The answer is always no. So basically, okay, what we have here, in my opinion, is we have a little bit of this wonderful fucking thing that's went on in America for about the last eight years called cancel culture. And you being the most analog man in history that barely reads the news, listens to it, follows it. Even you've heard the term cancel culture. No. You know what cancel culture is? Yeah. Is it like a music? Like no. Cancel culture band? is. <laughs> no. You don't like something, you get it canceled. It's cancel culture. Oh. It's usually a way, and we don't get political, but it's usually a way of people that tend to scale things on their political views on the left-hand side of things. I like going to work. If they don't like something, they they get it canceled. All right. Like uh, Roseanne. Oh, I love this show. So Roseanne came back two, three years ago after being off TV for years. Okay. They they brought it back. They renewed it. They rewrote the series. They brought it back for one one season. And it got canceled. Roseanne got canceled. So the next year they renamed the show, which is still on TV now, called The Connors, and wrote Roseanne out as she had died of an overdose. Oh. So, because she had made some comments about Barack Obama and uh, being uh, something with a sexual, I don't remember. She got canceled. Uh, Kid Rock's always making off-the-hand comments. People are trying to get Kid Rock's Eminem. Eminem, of all people. Right. Uh, some of his songs and his previous albums, and Eminem is like one of the most hardcore left-leaning Democratic motherfuckers in written history, but he has had some of the most controversial lyrics. They tried to get him, someone who agrees with their belief, they tried to get him. It's cancel culture. Basically, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I think a little bit of this is Kyrie said some things he shouldn't have said. But they asked him a question, and he wouldn't answer the question, and they got butthurt about it. I don't know. You guys want to out? You guys want to cancel my show? Go ahead. I mean, I'll fo- I'll follow another one up the next week. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, he's like a honey badger. Kurt, <laughs> honey badger takes what it wants. <laughs> but seriously, it. Kurt and yeah. I have uh, we have a proven track record. We're good people. I don't think anybody's ever called us a racist. No. Uh, but basically. 
Kyrie's in deep, deep shit because well, you gotta watch what you say. Well, dude. I know you have to watch what you say, but just because you know he didn't come out and say no, I'm not anti-Semitic. No, I'm not Why racist. Would they even asking that to begin with. What, because what he so so uh, this whole thing is he posted comments about this fucking well, documentary that he watched. Joy, that's pretty fucking stupid, Danny. But that he they were I guess some I guess he was physically asked, "Are you anti-Semitic? Are you racist? Do you hate Jews? Do you hate blacks? Do you hate this or that?" And he wouldn't say no. Well, big fucking deal if you won't don't yeah, say I no. Agree. Like, I mean, yeah, but. But now here, here's Kyrie. This is, it's again. This is fucking 2022. This is PC times. So here's Kyrie. What's Kyrie do? He donates five hundred thousand dollars. He donates half a million dollars. Okay. Which you got to understand, that is a lot of money. Yeah. That that is a lot of money. Yeah. Five hundred thousand, half a million dollars, a lot of money. But to a multi-millionaire pro athlete, a half a million dollars is the equivalent to about a hundred bucks out of their pocket. Right. Maybe five hundred dollars, right. maybe a right. thousand, right. whatever. But he's donating that to anti-hate causes, so like the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center and like uh, Glad, which is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation to protect all the gay and trans people and everything. So he's donating money to all these causes. Okay, well that still wasn't good enough. So now then Adam Silver decided to open his mouth. Saying, while we appreciate the fact that he has agreed to work with the Brooklyn Nets and the Anti-Defamation League to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, I am very disappointed in Kyrie Irving that he has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. So he publicized it. Yeah. Silver said in his statement that he would be meeting with Irvin in person next week. Now, what's interesting, though, is people are harping on Kyrie is they're starting to make it like Kyrie's a problem child locker room cancer in the form of like an Antonio Brown or a Terrell Owens or a Greg Hardy. What do I mean by that? This is the second straight season that Brooklyn has sent Kyrie away from the team. Last year, what was it for? No, it was because he refused to get vaccinated against COVID, making him ineligible to play home games in December. He wasn't able to return to playing home games for Brooklyn until March of 2022 when they lifted their vaccine mandate for athletes. So So now to get this better, Kyrie's deleted the link to the video last week. And then, huh? He's overrated. He's overrated. I think so. Uh, you know, he, he deleted the link. He wouldn't say no more about it. He's getting defensive when reporters ask him, saying, why weren't they asking questions about the history of black people in America, saying 300 million of his ancestors are buried in this country. But, okay, so we're going to wrap that up because um, we got to move towards Nike because now Nike is throwing shade at Kyrie Irving. Uh-oh. So <clears throat> Nike has suspended its relationship with Kyrie in the wake of all this controversy. Um, you know, so Nike said it will no longer launch his new shoe, the Kyrie eight, which was going to be probably one of Kyrie's best shoes ever. Uh, it had been slated to come out this week. Now Nike said, quote, we believe there is no place for hate speech and we condemn any form of anti-Semitism. 
We are deeply saddened and disappointed by this situation and the impact on everyone. Irvin's deal with Nike was initially set to expire on October 1st, 2023. His signature line he has had since 2014 is one of Nike is one of our most lucrative player series in recent years behind only LeBron's signature series. Uh Now, it's been rumored that Nike is going to put pressure on current endorsing athletes to stop wearing Kyrie shoes and games all together. Ah, damn it. So. Take that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So, James Harden. Who are you guys in your damn flat earth? The earth's not flat. If the earth is flat... If the earth is flat, then I'm anorexic as fuck. Well, I just, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't ahead. know if we should believe everything they're telling us. How would the earth possibly be flat? What the fuck thing's going to... You go to the South Pole and you're just going to fall off into space? Here's my thing. If it's, uh, you just believe it's random just because that's what you're told in school. That's, that's my argument there. You just, just because somebody told you that. There's no, you have no proof. You, nothing you've seen other than the globe itself. I don't know. For you know, sure. look right now, it looks more flat. And we're flat. spinning on an axis. We're also mo- moving over a thousand miles per hour. And, I can never and we it. don't feel it. Man. That's pretty interesting. It's pretty odd. And the sun's in space, but it's dark yeah, in space. It's dark in space. Yeah, explain that right there. Huh? That's pretty That's interesting. That's right there. I mean, the sun is like, bright. Uh, the sun is in space, but outer space. There's nothing for it to Folks, we, we, off we hope you've enjoyed Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Join us next week for the launch of our new show, Conspiracy Theories with Kurt and Doyle. <laughs> oh God! I think a lot of it's who killed Jimmy Hoffa? Where's he at? That's a better question. Where's he at? Yeah. Lake in, in in the lake. He is. The government threw him out of a plane, right? Yep. I sold you on that theory, didn't yeah. I? Yep. Okay. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> This has been one of the best shows. <laughs> uh, let's 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 move forward. For the light to reflect. Oh my reflect god! <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move forward. You want to? Y'all 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 to? Cold in space, but sun's out in space. So How does that make any sense? Because you can't see the sun from the space. We can see but it. it's once dark. You it, once you get on Earth, you can all of a sudden see it. That's right. Boom. And when there's a full moon, you know what? Last night it was close to, uh, it was a pretty full moon. It wasn't full, I don't think, all the way. But it was almost bright enough you could go outside and do anything. You know, throughout the night or whatever. That that's tells me. That's how bright it was. But the moon is out, is in space. It tells me. Dark. The moon is in the atmosphere. Mm. Huh. And the sun <laughs> simulators are fired up. Hey, why don't you bring me my Diet Mountain Dew while you're over there, would you please? I don't know about that. <laughs> He said, "Please, I'm gonna need a refill." Yeah, I know because you're trying to think of how the moon, how the space is dark. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want nobody thinking outside the box. No. They don't want people to have enough time to even be able to think about it. Thinking outside the box is dangerous. Well, they don't. Yeah, they don't want people to have time to think about stuff like that. It's way to keep everybody busy. 
let's move forward. Down the rabbit hole we go. James Harden. Oh, boy. Need to shave his beard. <laughs> By the way, I am getting my ass kicked in fantasy basketball. Uh, I had to, you know who I had to play this week or last week? Doyle. Doyle. Did you win? No, it was not pretty. I underestimated how serious Doyle. I haven't played fantasy basketball since 2014. I've understood. I've, I missed, I've got spoiled by all my years of dominance in football. But uh, with hockey, basketball, and baseball, you have to set lineups every day. Right. Which, you know, I, I do real good in hockey, but basketball, I got my ass kicked. But uh, I lost James Harden for at least a month, as did the 76ers, uh, because he suffered a right foot tendon injury, and they're probably going to hold him out a month. Uh now, Harvin has averaged 22 points, seven boards, and 10 assists in nine games, who are four and five to start the season. So now they're getting ready to go into a very difficult schedule stretch without Harden, uh, with upcoming games with the Knicks, uh, the Suns, the Hawks twice, the Jazz, the Bucks, the Timberwolves. Uh, they're hit. They're hit, yeah. So... Just throwing that out there, a little bit of injury news, but I, I do have I do have the next the next uh, story coming up uh, is a callback to another episode, but this is one you're actually going to enjoy talking about. Okay, because it's Brett Favre. Oh, Favre. and you enjoy talking about Favre. Oh yeah, yeah the money the the money story. So yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you that uh, need backstory on this, I'll try to give as much as I can. We've mentioned this in multiple um, Weeknight Chronicles episodes. This is about the state of Mississippi welfare fraud investigation yeah. thing that involves professional wrestlers, uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., the son of the Million Dollar Man, uh, as well as a whole bunch of people. And now the University of Southern Mississippi is involved. And uh, oh, no. hop in your Google machines, just Brett Favre, Mississippi. You know, you, it, it, it's a tremendous story. Um, so anyways, uh, on... Yeah, so on Thursday, the Mississippi Department of Human Services rejected a proposal from the University of Southern Mississippi to make campus facilities, including a volleyball facility at the heart of the state's ongoing investigation, available to the government agency, which serves the state's poor. The university announced the proposal earlier in the day in response to an investigation into millions of dollars of misspent welfare funds that have been involved with the school and its former quarterback, Hall of Famer Brett Favre. Favre. Okay. Now, quote, this is a statement from the University of Southern Mississippi. The university remains deeply troubled by the current situation and is committed to seeking ways for campus facilities to be utilized for the benefit of Mississippi families and individuals. The school said that it hoped to... The arrangement could create exciting opportunities for collaborative pursuits between the Mississippi Department of Human Services and existing university clinical and academic programs. But when ESPN reached out to the Mississippi Department of Human Services, the agency said that it did not accept the school's proposal. As notified in prior audits, use of TANF funds for the construction of brick-and-mortar building projects has never been authorized by law. For those of you people out there, the TANF funds or the uh, temporary assistance for needy families. So, okay. okay. Uh, now, um, 
MDHS cannot accept the Southern Miss's offer to utilize the building constructed with TANF funds in lieu of repayment for the funds because we believe it to be a continued violation of law and the purpose of the TANF program to help lift any needy families out of poverty. Okay, so I know this is a lot to get to, but it's important because this story keeps... This is going to end up being one of the biggest sports stories of 2022 because we've been talking about this now uh, since late spring, early summer, and it's going to continue into next year. This is going to go down as one of the biggest sports stories of the last couple of years. So uh, Southern Miss has signed a five-year agreement in 2017 with the Mississippi Community Education Center, a nonprofit that funneled over $5 million. It's a lot of scratch. A lot of scratch, yeah. Into the TANF funds, uh, money that to the university from the Mississippi Department of Human Services that was for the construction of a multi-use space to be known as what they call a wellness center. Now, state auditor Shad White previously told ESPN that this agreement was in an attempt to legally justify the use of TANF funds, which, again, you're not supposed to use. Now, where Favre ties back into this is that Text messages show Brett Favre pushed officials for funding for a volleyball facility when his daughter was on the University of Southern Mississippi volleyball team. And since this is Favre's alma mater, and he's famous and rich as fuck, and he's their favorite son, Uh this is the equivalent of LeBron being the coach of the team, not whoever's actually the coach of the team. Well, the university broke ground on the Wellness Center in 2018. Favre has continuously denied wrongdoing and has not been criminally charged, but he is listed as a defendant in the civil lawsuit filed by the state of Mississippi. Favre has continuously said, my hands are clean of this. I didn't fucking do anything wrong. Now, um, the former uh, MDHS director, John Davis, has pled guilty to fraud, as well as the director of the MCEC, um, Nancy knew. Now, the school is said to have in its statement that it engaged in the agreement in good faith through due diligence by outside legal counsel. Um, unfortunately, the due diligence did not and could not uncover the alleged fraud by the fiduciary committees that reported nearly two years after the foundation signed the agreement, blah, 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 blah. According to White's office, the MCEC used the university property once to benefit the community before a volleyball facility was built, holding a healthy teens rally in 2018. Uh, So basically to wrap this up, uh, Denise Weisenberg, who is the president of Southern Miss's faculty, told ESPN that he and uh, another faculty member recently met with new school president to voice concerns about the university's role in the welfare investigation. Uh, His office could not be, would not respond for comment. Basically, uh, as Kurt and I do, we're going to keep you updated religiously on this story as it progresses. Uh, Favre's camp has maintained that, and there's so much more to this story. Again, if you need a recourser, obviously you got your Google machine. What but do you think? List it. Do I think Favre pushed them to build a volleyball facility for the because they, they needed a new volleyball center for the team? Fuck yeah, I do. Favre yeah. is rich. He is famous. Rich and famous people live above the law. Do you think he? But do I think he willingly pushed them to use funds from a fucking government? Um, 
what what would you call it from a government body that's meant to help uh, poor and poverty stricken families? Fuck no. Do I think he pushed them to build something? Yeah. Do I think he knew that they were going to pull funding from state funds for poor people? Absolutely not. I don't uh, think he had any knowledge of that. I uh, one of our jobs is being the especially our biggest job when we when we do current events and chronicle episodes. We're basically news reporters. Our biggest job there is to be impartial or try to, which sometimes we fail. Obviously, oh, yeah. I mean, I basically told Colin Kaepernick do everything but suck my little wiener tonight. So, uh, but anyways, do I think Favre wanted a facility built for his daughter because it's his daughter and he's their native son, their most famous athlete? Right, absolutely. absolutely, he did. Do I think he told them to take it out of state funds? No. Do I think he told them, but he did not know that they were going to go try to grab state funds for that illegally? Fuck no, I don't think he would have. Because that would have that would have been PR suicide. Yeah. There's no fucking way. Favre has spent his whole career building this good old Southern country boy from yeah. Old South Mississippi. Yeah. Do I fuck no? He didn't. So there's going to be more to come in this. And again, the main thing is I've seen people, and trust me, you know, you get on the message boards and the sites and comments. Everybody's throwing Brett Favre under the bus. Favre, fuck, he's not. They're not going to get him on anything. No. So, oh, what else we got, puss? Oh, Bernhard Langer. Tennis player. Golf. No, golf. I'm sorry. Tennis. Senior tour. Yeah. Canadian. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey. You've heard me and you talk about him a lot. He's oh, yeah. one of my all-time favorite. Yeah, got one of the most, to, to me and what I like about one of the top ten swings I've ever seen. Beautiful swing. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, I didn't follow up on this to end today, but this news comes to us from yesterday. So he beat his age by two shots Saturday with a nine under 63, giving him a one shot lead at the Timber Tech Championship and a chance to move closer to the PGA Tour Champions, which is not called the Senior Tour anymore. The Senior Tour is now called Tour Champions. Uh, he's uh, almost there for a record number for career wins. For the senior tour. Damn. And uh, I just wanted to put that in there because he was playing some good golf over the weekend. And, uh, you know, yeah, I like Bernhard. Yeah, I do too. Um, I had a little bit of news here about the Big 12, and I'm just going to read one paragraph of it. Uh, they're getting ready to get bank, even with them losing Texas and who else is all going to the SEC. There anyway, yeah, we 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 talked about it before. We're gonna have an episode on conferences and yeah, but uh, basically they're getting ready to even with losing Texas and whoever else they were losing out of the SEC, maybe Oklahoma. I don't know who it was. They're still getting ready to sign an almost three billion dollar contract extension for uh, ESPN and Fox to televise their games. So, uh, football and baseball, or football, baseball, basketball. I definitely be making bank. Uh. You want to talk a little uh, punching fans in the face? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you remember the news that rocked the sports world three weeks ago when uh, Tennessee stunned Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. I love Tennessee, like Rocky Top, man. Right. So, uh, when that happened, uh, the fans stormed on the field. They were playing in Knoxville right. at Neyland. Right. Uh, fun fact for anybody that's not seen it. 
when they do checkered days at Neyland, it's pretty awesome because it's you, everybody's got their orange or white, white shirt on, yeah. and they show the aerial shot, and the whole stadium's checkered. Pretty cool. It's a pretty fun, cool thing to yeah. see. But uh, anyways, the fans stormed the field. Tore down the goalpost. Tore down the goalpost, and an Alabama player punched a fan in the face. Wow. Just flat out punched him. So uh, the SEC announced that it's forming a group to address uh, fans' access to the fields and the courts after games. A uh, quote from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said, uh, current conference policies need to be revo- reviewed and improved with a focus on addressing field and court. What are they gonna, how are they going to stop them from storing the field? A football field's one thing because, you know, you might have to go down ladders or, or you know, there's railings. On a fucking basketball court, son. Right, right. Well, I don't think. How? Can, what are you gonna? You gonna fucking shoot up? I don't think you can stop him on a football uh, field neither. If the whole fan base wanted to come down here, it'd be. What are you gonna you throw them all in jail? Well, that's what they think. They're working on ways to improve security, and I mean, uh, the game was over. What the player doing on the field? Enhance crowd field. management. Well, so this all started because last month uh, Jermaine Burton, who was one of the a big-time receiver for Alabama, he struck a fan in the face, like knocked the ever-loving piss out of this guy after Tennessee upset Alabama. Coach Nick Saban didn't suspend Burton and told reporters he didn't think it was necessary and he wasn't going to suspend him because if you knew the whole story, maybe you wouldn't either. Now, Saban wouldn't go into details. All he would say is, look, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation like that, but I talked to him. He was scared. I was scared. Some of our other players were scared. I call bullshit on that and hang on. Uh, he said, I think you have to learn to respect other people because we have a responsibility to do that regardless of the circumstance we're in. You're going to tell me these six foot, 200 pound, muscle bound college athletes are afraid yeah. of a little skinny guy running on the field? Yeah. Now I get it. Hey, shout out me. I get a pro wrestling reference in uh-huh. all the time. You see guys all the time hop the fans, hop the ring, barricade, get in the ring, right. and that's when you see guys break character. And they'll knock the piss out of right. fan punching. Right. That I can see because you're it's just two guys in a ring right. and you don't know if this guy might have a knife in his pocket or a gun and he's right. trying but you're on a field with fifty three other guys. Right. And yep. you're all six foot, two hundred, three hundred pound fucking guys. And a bunch of drunk fans storm the field. And right. a bunch of drunk fans storm the field. So Tennessee was fined a hundred thousand dollars for that, and then of course you know the the goalpost thing was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they just tore it right down. Didn't yeah, you? but they they are going to uh, be looking at ways to improve. And I don't, dude, that's okay. You think back to great, memorable college football and uh, college basketball moments. Uh, Christian Watford. Christian Watford. My God, December two thousand eleven. We beat Kentucky to knock him out of the one yeah, ranking. Yeah. Whopper hits that three, and uh, Assembly Hall just goes fucking yeah. bonkers, and it's a sea of red yes. in 30 seconds on yes. the court. Yes. Some of the greatest collegiate sports moments are filled with fans rushing oh, yeah. the court and the field. And it's it's like a rite of passage for these college students. These are college <laughs> students. They're not grown-ass right. adults carrying weapons broken beer bottles and these are college students that are just happy their school beat a rival right and you're gonna take that away from them i don't see how i can really stop it but are you gonna tell me 
that a six foot, two hundred and twenty five pound hey, receiver scared. was scared. No. So he just pops a fan. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot more to it. Yeah, oh, fuck, and I guarantee you there was. A lot of Save trash it the douche. Yeah, a lot of trash talking. I'm sure. Uh, did you hear the news about Martinsville NASCAR last week? No. The dude rode the wall to no. make the champion. No. So you didn't you didn't hear about this? Uh, You're gonna have to get in your Google machine tonight. Uh, NASCAR's kind of been on the out. Yeah, I no, we we but we've been throwing a little bit of NASCAR yeah, news. You're yeah. gonna have to get in your Google machine. I, like, I do like Martinsville, the paperclip. Uh, so, so last week, and I didn't check on NASCAR today when I was doing the notes. I was busy prepping notes, so I don't have any NASCAR news from today in there. Uh. Ross Chastain's the driver. He used a video game move to advance into uh, the final four for this weekend at Phoenix. So a guy named Christopher Bell won his way into the race while Chastain did. What Chastain basically did was um, he pinned his Camaro up against the wall outside of the half-mile track and was sailing at like 70, 80 miles an hour faster than what the rest of the field was as he went from 10th place to 5th place on the final lap to give his Trackhouse Racing team its first championship appearance in the NASCAR's Final Four. Which, by the way, ever since they initiated this chase feature years ago, I I hate it. I don't like it. I wanted to see a guy, old school, 1980s, 1990s, last race of the season at Atlanta, you bust your ass to get in right. there. Yeah, I get it. This uh, field of 12 and field of 16 and then field of 8. Field, it's exciting, but I don't like it. Uh, but this dude pinned his Camaro to the wall, and you're going to have to get in there. And watch it. And watch it. Yeah, he just – How's he, he going faster than everybody else? Because, because if you remember Martinsville, you know, you can, you can hit 70, 80, 90 on the straight stretch, but you back down that corner, you're back down to 50, 60 mile an hour. Yeah, it's paperclip. It's paperclip. But he painted up against the wall and just held it throttle open and just kept driving it into the wall. <laughs> and he, the side of his car. How did he not flatten his tire? How did he not get penalized for NASCAR? That, that raised a lot of questions. Flag. That raised a lot of questions from NASCAR. I'm sure he's. I mean, because he it was pinned against the wall the final mile or the final lap, Maybe lap and a half. Sparks flying and shit. And he just pinned it in the wall, held that fucking throttle open, son, and it was shit it and get it. Well, see. The the oh, joke came – there was – I made a joke about this. There was questions that uh, NASCAR was going to – need to look at these tires. Well, hang on. So there was rumors going around. People were saying NASCAR needed to investigate him, needed to cite him something, and I had made the joke. I was talking him. to one of my friends. I said NASCAR didn't penalize him, but they penalized him for a chassis modification. And they said, well, my guy I was talking to, my NASCAR buddy, Alan, he said, well, what was the, what was the chassis modification? I said they had to reconstruct the cab to hold his fucking giant balls. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Because he does. So he goes up against the wall. He's scooting the wall. His car is scraped to I, shit. But I, the last mi- the last lap, lap and a half, he pins it up against the wall, throttle open. He's letting it eat. And he goes from 10th to 5th and makes the cut for this final weekend, which happened tonight at Phoenix. I mean, I'm thinking, how did he not blow a tire? How did he not blow a tire? How did he not spin out? He's just... I guess he was reverse you, driving it. I don't know. How would you hold it against the wall, being that you're turning left? Wow. Well, you want to? He gave an answer. Okay. You want to hear yeah, it? This. Oh yeah. So this kid is uh, 
I shouldn't say kid. He's he's young. I'm 35. He's probably mid 20s, early 30s, maybe. I don't think he's my age. They asked him how he decided to come up with a move. He said, I played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on GameCube <laughs> when I was a kid. He said, you can, no way. you can totally get away with it there. I just didn't know if it would actually work or not. No. I mean, I did that last when I was eight years old. I grabbed fifth gear, asked, pushed off the last two on the wall, and uh, we did it. I couldn't tell who was leading. I made the choice, grabbed fifth gear from the back, full committed, full sin. I basically let go of the wheel, hoping I didn't catch turn four across the gate. He said I was willing to just let her fucking eat. That's some big balls. <laughs> we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars machine here yeah uh and we're wrecking it on purpose to win and he didn't even win the race he Uh, just finished in fifth to make the cut for the final four for the championship that's that's going for the gusto like i said i'm gonna check the tires you have to everybody get in if you haven't seen this clip which i'm sure some of you have seen you just check them tires really i'm oiled how do you not cut one? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. Well, if they found a cut tire, maybe they I can. Guess they're not going that fast to begin with. I mean, I know you touch a wall anywhere else. You got your tires going down. I used to cut tires all the time because I'd hit the walls because I didn't want to slow down when I played NASCAR. Yeah. Your tire is down. Your tire is <laughs> down. Your tire is down. <laughs> and they'd keep saying it. Yeah. Maybe check your air pressure. Uh. That trade so much paint back here, the sponsors don't know where to send the checks. Now, um, yeah, but seriously, by the way, get get your Google machine and uh, check that out. Uh, That's pretty crazy. We got a few more items. Talladega. I love Talladega. I do, too. Darlington. Yeah, I like me some Darlington. When are we going to do a NASCAR episode? A sole NASCAR episode? I don't know. You know, the the rumor mill churns that they're uh, they're getting Rockingham they need to. ready to go again. They the Rock. To. For those of you that don't know, Rockingham used to be the first stop of the year after Daytona yep. for yep. years. Yep. For years after Daytona, The Rock was the mi- next stop. Is that a mile? I think it's a little over a mile, ain't it? A mile and a quarter or something like that. Rockingham, North Carolina, yeah, The Rock. The Rock. NASCAR was, I know you liked it in the 70s and 80s, which you were born in set, but to me, NASCAR in the 80s and 90s was NASCAR, son. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, staying with NASCAR, I know you like to talk about Jimmy Johnson a lot. We've talked about Jimmy a lot. Yeah. Jimmy's NASCAR retirement ha- is over. It lasted about two years. He's back. So, and he's also doing IndyCar experiments right now. So, the seven-time cup champion is returning in 2023 to the series. Uh, That made him a star. He is going to be part only of Petty General Motorsports. So, he's going to enter about five cup races, uh, including where he's a two-time winner at, the Daytona 500. Jimmy was... Quote said that I had a watchful eye on the ownership part and what's happening with NASCAR and the opportunity that I have here, the business structure and the model at NASCAR. It's just so different from anything else in motorsports. I wanted to be a part of it. We certainly watched Michael Jordan join into the into what Trackhouse what the 
Trackhouse Racing folks, what Ross Chastain have done. We've seen all these rumors of people who want to get in the sport. He said, and I am honored and thankful that I'm going to be a part of it. His car number and sponsors, maybe even the current Petty General Sports name, are all a work in progress for Johnson, who just turned 47 back in the fall. On his bucket list are the Coca-Cola 600, a race he's won four times, and he'd love if NASCAR made him eligible for the 2023 All-Star Race, which is returning another track they're getting repaired and ready to go, a track that hasn't seen action in years, North Wilkesboro Speedway, also in North Carolina. Okay. So, uh, Johnson still said he wants to do the double, which for all of you that don't know in uh, professional racing, the double is where you race the Indianapolis 500 during the day on, um, what is it? Memorial day weekend. And then you race the Coca-Cola 600 under the lights at Charlotte, the follow the same night. Uh, but he's on hold as Chip Ganassi who, uh, Chip Ganassi racing used to race in NASCAR, might even still race in NASCAR, uh, they that was who he was working with with the Indy 500. Uh, Johnson made his Indy 500 debut in May and he proved decent uh, on the Indy car ovals. Um, uh, so but he he wants to come back to NASCAR. Uh, it took him about two months for Johnson to get back into NASCAR through conversations with uh, Petty General Motorsports. He had no talks with Hendrick Motorsports, who gave him his start as he was. You know, you know he he drove twenty years for Hendrick right. Motorsports and won forty eight <clears throat> or eighty three Cup races in the number forty eight Chevy. So, uh, his seven championships tie him with Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, both Hall of Famers. So, uh, this is exciting. Like I, I love watching Jimmy race. Uh, I was never a huge Jimmy fan, but yeah. uh, either, but yeah, he can go fast. So it's pretty impressive. He could uh, climb in one of them Indy cars, and that—that's a whole different animal. Right? That is that—that that is what a lot of people don't understand. When you can race Indy and NASCAR, it, it's bang, a whole you different can't animal. Bang around out there in the Indy car, no, because you die. Yeah, you're gonna. Cry. You're in an open fucking cockpit, bro. Yeah, yeah. open wheels. Them wheels touch. You're gonna crash. And to master them both. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, do we need to pause for the cause? Uh, yeah, we can pause. You want to pause for just a little bit, like take like twenty? Oh, what time is it? It's only eight o'clock. Oh, okay. Let's pause for like twenty because I gotta. And we're back. Yes. <laughs> I just I was just thinking about what you said. Kurt goes, "Where are we at? Where'd we leave off? We we just took like a nice little hour break." Kurt goes, "Where'd we leave off at?" I said, Katie Ledecky. He goes, who? <laughs> I said, the Olympic swimmer. He goes, swimming chicks turn me on. <laughs> They're all wet and stuff. Wow. Wow. I went there. So I want, I want to put this in here just because this is uh, Katie Ledecky. I believe she was a, uh, a Hoosier. IU. But uh, she just set a world record uh, this past week or the week before at the Swimming World Cup in Toronto. She set a world record in the 1,500-meter freestyle. Freestyle? Yeah, she's a 10-time Olympic medalist. Uh, She doesn't normally compete in short-course events very often, but she competed in this one in Toronto. She finished the 1,500 meters in 15.08. So shaving uh, 15.08.24, shaving 
10 seconds off the previous record. 10 seconds? Yeah, that was saved that was set uh just a few years back by a Canadian named Summer or by a German named Sarah Wellbrock. And she's retired now, right? I have no idea because that's fast. <laughs> 1500 meters is how is, what is that is that is that a mile half mile what know, is that she beat the record by 10 seconds yeah shaved nearly 10 seconds off the time yeah yeah so i i want to put She's that very in there streamlined yes uh i can swim 1500 meters in about uh zero fucking never because i can't swim i don't know how to swim and even then i sink when i go in the water i don't float yeah so. i'm one of them sinkers too <laughs> You know, all you got to do is relax, so, I tell you, you know, and, and the first thing it does, my feet go. So when we went on, when we had our friend Cation over 4th of July weekend, we were all down in Alabama at our buddy's place. Uh, they're out on this lake. Uh, I can't remember what the lake is called. We're down there in Verbena, Alabama. We were about an hour outside of Montgomery. And we're on this lake, and I don't know where. I can't swim. And somehow we managed to find a life jacket to fit around my fat ass. But I got out in the middle of this lake with a life jacket, and I was scared. And uh, I had to pee. So, uh, you know, right. you ain't going to hold it. You just get out in the lake. Right. And just, <laughs> hey, I'm so, I'm being honest. I was like, we were going to be on this boat for hours, and I had to piss. And I'm like, uh, well, you know, so I just hopped in the lake, and I'm looking, and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, how deep is it where we're at right now? He goes to the bottom. He goes probably about 100, 125 feet. I'm like, that's deep enough. That's deep enough. <laughs> and then uh, the the motion and the current on the lake and everything, it moved me like I, I had to be like, you know, they just told me to relax a little bit. I was in there. I had a life jacket. We had a boat full of 10 people. It was like, it'll be fine. So I just tried to relax. I was out of my element and I'm not a good swimmer. I don't, when I, when I can't feel my feet touch bottom anymore, yeah, I get nervous. Yeah, me I mean, I can tread it, but once yeah. it's about neck level, I'm uh, going back. I, I'm pushing yeah, back too. to the dock, but, uh, so we were out there, and I just closed my eyes and relaxed, and I laid back and floated, and I was so out of my comfort zone, I was trying to relax, and I couldn't have had my eyes closed maybe two or three minutes. I looked back up, and I'm 25 feet from the boat, and I flipped the fuck out. They had to go on a search and rescue mission, you know, holding on to me. Even though I had a life jacket on, I was just missing the arm floaties, and I was just freaking out. And they're pushing me back to the boat, man. And they're getting a rope, and I'm pulling on this rope. And they're like, the fat fuck's going to turn the boat over. And it was just 125 feet to the bottom. We were out at uh, the middle of this lake. Uh, God, I can't remember what the lake's name was. It, I, and, uh, but, man, it, we, we watched the 4th of July shoot the fireworks off that lake. Kurt, I'm telling you right now, we sat there through a nice hour, two-hour show. I don't know how many thousands of dollars the people that run this lake put on. I bet you there's 300 fucking boats in that cove. Really? Just on the water. Damn. Anyways. Good fireworks. Oh, my God. For a two-hour show, probably talking thousands and thousands of dollars of fireworks. Yep. Beautiful show. Lots of missing fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, hey, it's always guaranteed on the weekend before 4th of July. Say goodbye to all your friends and shake their hand because one of them's going to be missing (laughs) at least one finger. (laughs) So, uh Okay, so soccer won't do it. That's no, a, that's a no for you. It. It's, we can't do it. I, I got la, 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 okay. La, hey, hey, okay. La, la. I think the rule was that we don't talk soccer on the show, but if it's got an interesting story to it, we kind of let it slide. So I'm going to try to 
I'm going to try to push this one in, and then we'll see at the end if Kurt allows it or he revokes my soccer privileges well, permanently. I'll just tell you right now, it's going to have to end in a 2021 <laughs> score, which we know is not going to happen. So uh, the World Cup is starting uh, soon, and it's in Qatar. Oh, i got it marked on my calendar. Oh, I bet you, <laughs> you smart mouth motherfucker. <laughs> I bet you do. So, uh, the son of a World Cup stadium construction worker who died in Qatar uh, said his father had warned his family of the poor working conditions uh, that were caused by this construction of this stadium and getting everything ready and the excessive heat before his death uh, four years ago. Uh, help me if I'm, I'm trying to pronounce this name and I'm going to butcher this. Uh, obviously it's, it's Arabic. I don't know how to say this, but the, the story comes to us from a name named Abdabis Salam, who details how his father, Mosaharif, Mosaharif Hosan was suffering to survive in an interview with ESPN reporter, one of the best ESPN reporters in the business, Jeremy Schapp. Uh, there's a documentary that was going to be released tonight on ESPN, by the way. Check it out. Called Qatar's World Cup, which details the tragedy and what the migrant workers in the buildup to soccer's biggest tournament were forced to endure. Uh, wow. So, uh, basically... Uh, Is it really worth it, guys? The summer heat in Qatar can reach up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Now I make the, some soccer in 120 degrees. Well, I make the joke that they might have high heat, but they don't have the humidity like we do. But I guess that don't really matter. When it gets to be 100, I'd say it's pretty freaking hot. On August 8th, 2018, the day after the temperature had reached 115 degrees, Hassan died. All he said was that there was too much suffering in Qatar, too much heat. He couldn't handle it. It was hard work, but he never let us feel the pain. Now, his death certificate says he died of a heart attack and kidney failure. His family has received $2,500 in back pay from his employer, but nothing from the Qatari government. The reason was showing heart attack or stroke. We do not believe that. They did not want to tell us more about he died. The reason this is coming to light is since being awarded hosting rights to the 2022 World Cup tournament over a decade ago, so we're going back to 2012, Qatar has a country with a population of nearly 300,000, has faced a lot of scrutiny over the treatment of the migrant workers building the stadium and other human rights issues. The cost of hosting this tournament, which begins on November 18th and runs through December 20th, is said to be $220 billion, with a B. It's a lot of scratch. Now, according to the government, there have been 15,000 foreigner-related deaths in the country since 2010, but only 39 of those were work-related to the construction of the stadium. So, that's a, that's a pretty bad ratio there, dude. Well, apparently, there has been cases in which compensation and payments are made in work-related deaths or accidents. The country of Qatar has implemented a new labor law set up a $150 million fund to settle pay disputes and raise the monthly minimum wage to $275. They said, we see this as appropriate minimum for living in Qatar. $275 a month. That's not a lot of scratch. That's what me and you used to make a week at the job we had. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true, Versteel. Oops. Oh, well. Uh, Kurt's like, you better edit that shit out, bro. 
<laughs> Kurt loves his job. Uh, so speaking of money, because we were just talking about money, how about a feel-good money story? Yeah, there you go. Bookmakers on Saturday evening forked out what's believed to be the largest payout in sports betting history. Approximately $75 million to a Texas furniture store owner who earlier this year, before the season began, threw down $10 million worth of bets on the Houston Astros to win the World Series. Rig. So, Jim Mattress Mac McInvale jumped for joy in front row seats at Minute Maid Park as the Astros clinched the World Series with a 4-1 victory over the, the Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies in Game 6 on Saturday. We're going to get to this in just a minute. Uh, it was the culmination of a six-month ride for the self-complained huckster, huckster that began May 13th in the parking lot of a Louisiana restaurant. Okay, excuse me. It happened a little after the season start, where McInville placed a $3 million bet on the Astros to win the World Series at 10-1 to odds on Caesars Sportsbook mobile app. What can we say? We just wrote the biggest check in sports betting history to Mattress Mac for $30 million. Ken Foose, chief operating officer for Caesars Sportbook, said in a company release, the $3 million bet with Caesars was his largest, but not his only seven-figure bet on the Astros. He tacked on roughly $7 million in more bets on the Astros over the summer at various sports books with an average payout of odds of $750, one around $75 million. But he won't get to keep it all. McInvale uses the betting market to mitigate risk on promotions at his gallery furniture store that are based on winners of big sporting events from the Super Bowl to the Final Four. His biggest promotions have involved the Astros in the World Series. This year's deal offered to refund any customer who spent at least $3,000 on furniture double their money back if the Astros won the World Series. Wow. He'll use the $75 million from his winning bets to pay back happy customers who participated in the promotion and will still likely turn a profit. It's definitely a win-win, Bell told ESPN today. These promotions just bring the brand to life and give us a ton of brand equality that we wouldn't have otherwise. The customers love it, so they're totally engaged and talk about it for years because it runs all season long. It'll probably up the number of people following the Astros, too, because now they have a real vested interest in the team. Sportsbook, however, especially bookmakers of smaller scales, weren't able to mitigate their risk as successful as Mac. Sportsbook Betfred which has operated in the U.K. for decades, only recently entered the U.S. market, took a $1 million from the Astros on McAvale and 5-1 to one odds. The million-dollar bet was significantly larger than any other bet the company has taken since launching the U.S. Um, basically, the $5 million payout to McAvale from Betfred is the largest in their history as a bookmaker. So basically, this guy made $75 million. Uh, if I had a cool million laying around, yeah. I'd... Josh, a cool million? Yeah. I'm working on my second million now. Zach Wheeler. Should have stayed in the game. I posted on Facebook last night, right after Thompson pulled him out. And uh, they gave up a two-run, three-run home run, and I said, good call pulling Wheeler out. Uh, And Wheeler was later interviewed and he was surprised 
He said it caught me off guard a little bit. He said that it's it's winner go home right there. That's a tough pill to swallow, but it's ultimately manager Rob Thompson's call, and that's the call he made. The Phillies were leading 1-0 when they pulled him out of the game, but then Houston put runners on first and third with one out after Pena bounced a single up the middle. And Wheeler was throwing arguably probably his best game of the entire postseason. He only only thrown 70 pitchers, and the last two pitchers he threw came in at 96 and 97. Why the fuck he did that? He's dealing. I mean. Now, what they did was they replaced him with reliever Jose Alvarado. Alvarado's good. Was it a a matchup? Let's see right here. Lefty and lefty. So, this right here. This is what it was. So, Alvarado come in the game, and he gave up a 450 dinger to Jordan Alvarez, who bats from the left side. Okay? Okay. So, it was lefty on lefty. Okay. I mean, that's so, the argument. So, Houston be... never gave the lead back. Thompson said, uh, I thought Wheeler had good stuff. It wasn't anything against him. It wasn't about that. I thought the matchup was better with Alvarado on Alvarez, lefty versus lefty. That's a percentage that you play. You know what? And this is my team. Okay, here's the deal. So, before the start of the regular season, Kurt and I did a little talking on air about baseball, and we did a lot of talking at work when we still worked together. My last day there was uh, March 6th or whatever, or May 6th, whatever. Um, Kurt and I did a lot of talking about baseball, and he he's a testament to this. I don't really shouldn't really get the bitch because I shit on my own team all season. I shit on them before the season. I shit on them during the season. I shit on them as we cruise to the latter part of the season. I was wrong. My team deserved to be there. They got hot at the right moment. Yeah. They they shouldn't have beat the Padres, I don't think. The Cardinals game could have won either way. It would have been cool to see Pujols make one last run. You know, uh, They shouldn't have beat the Padres, but they did. They were gritty. They were fighters. They deserved to be there. I personally apologize for bashing them. I never even pegged them as making the postseason before the season started. They got there. They did good. This one stings more than losing to the Yankees in 2009 because I think it was me realizing that I was wrong and I owed my team an apology. So I was praying for this. The Astros, their 2017 championship is always going to come with an heiress. You know, yeah. they they still hang the banner, 2017 World Series champions. They fucked your Dodgers. Yeah. They earned this one the right way. We think. They had arguably, in my mind, if they didn't, they had the best pitching rotation, I think, in not only the AL, but maybe the entire league. And uh, Framber Valdez, I, I mean, hammer he's got, he was fucking dealing. Curveball hammer. Oh, dude, just lights out. Yeah, falling off a table. And then there was the combined no-hitter, which, by the way, combined no-hitters aren't no-hitters to me. A no-hitter is one pitcher. You get multiple pitchers pitching a game, nobody gets it. That's fine. Maybe that is a no-hitter, but that doesn't register as a no-hitter to me. But Uh, Wheeler, why doesn't he fight Thompson right then a little bit? I mean, mean, why doesn't he? Why did he he just roll over and let it go? yeah. I don't know, man. I really, I mean, I really don't know. I really, I really don't have an idea. Like, I mean, I know if I'm on the mound in that situation. And- 
Well, let's go back to Game 7 of the 1991 World Series. By the way, you can find that in our archives, the 1991 World Series, Twins, and... Uh, I don't remember now. Not, no, it wasn't the Braves. Braves. Yeah. Was it the Braves? I think so. Maybe. I don't remember. We we covered that. Uh, the 97 World Series... Or the 97... We just did the 9... 1991 World Series, uh, Minnesota Twins versus whoever. I'm drawing a blank for some reason. Might have been the Braves. I don't remember now. I feel like an idiot. Uh, Anyways, uh, we did that last year. Uh, Game seven of that World Series, Jack Morris is on the mound dealing. That game goes to nine or ten innings. They come to pull Morris out, and he says no. no. Uh, He's not going, and – if you go back and watch the tape, there is a discussion for several minutes. Oh yeah, and he's he's not leaving the mound. He ain't giving the ball up. No. no, and then they later go on to win in extra innings. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't get a right to bitch too much, but I am gonna bitch. And uh, every fan base is passionate about certain moments in their team. Okay. Uh, this right here cost us the World Series. Game one forty three. In the season, let's play a matchup. But uh, at the time, I mean, you go with your your hot hand. Your hot hand. This 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 is what I'm going to say cost us seventy pitches thrown. And his last two's coming in at ninety six, ninety seven. We're in uh, what is it? Any number six? Obviously, got command of his pitches. Sixth inning. Yeah, we're in the sixth inning. Uh, you know, I, I just I don't get it. Um. You know, uh, during the regular season, Jordan Alvarez for the Astros was dangerous against lefties as he was righties. He was striking out and hitting into double plays at about the same time. Wheeler said it was tough. Obviously, I wanted to be out there and make the pitches. That type of stuff is going to happen, just probably not the game for it to happen in. Alvarez's homer against Alvarado came on a 2-1 fastball, which registered at 98. Uh, you got to tip your hat to the hitter there. I mean. I mean, Alvarado said uh, that pitch, nothing moving, it didn't move. If it moved, he had no chance. He said it didn't move. And, uh, you know, that was a tough decision because of how good. Alvarado had been decent for yeah. – for he had he had been decent for Philadelphia during the season. Now catcher JT Real Muto backed him up and said, uh, "Wheels was incredible throwing the ball for us tonight. You have two lefties coming up in the next three batters. I'm sure that's the pocket they had circled before the game." Uh, now first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies, Ry Hoskins, added that uh, general manager Thompson's been pretty aggressive with him throughout the whole postseason. And that's been a winning formula for us. Uh, pitching aside, Philadelphia's offense managed just three hits off Astros pitching in game six, while the Phillies scored a combined three runs in the final three games of the series, all losses. Um, so, so I'm going to hang my hat on, uh, obviously I'm going to do, I'm going to do the Peyton Manning thing and give the Peyton Manning like answer. Cause you know, every press conference, Peyton wanted to go up there and really give his feels, but Peyton did the suit and tie professional. Well, they just outplayed us. They did the right yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Peyton Manning thing here, and I'm gonna say that Houston just outplayed us, and they were the better team. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and mark an asterisk to to my comment here. Uh, what fucked us 
was I'm not saying we would have won game seven, but pulling Zach Wheeler prevented a game seven. So we we shot ourselves in the foot. And also the rain delay. You know, you think about this. In the NFL, you play in the weather. Baseball, you don't want to play in the weather. That's fine. But I think World Series baseball should be the only time or postseason baseball where you still play in the elements and let it go. That's my opinion. The rain delay fuck things because then you go and you have three games back to back to back with one day of travel and one day of rest. Right. Now, been, I, mean, I think that played a part too, but the end of the day, your 2022 World Series champions, the best team in Major League Baseball by far because of the trophy. Dusty Baker deserved it. And that's the other thing. As much as I hate to say it, Dusty Baker uh, deserved it. Dusty was uh, a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's been robbed a couple times. Yeah. So, so good for him. I wonder how many player coaches have won. I don't know. Series title. I I don't know. Uh, but speaking of uh, something we talked about earlier tonight. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are now on paper as the consensus betting favorites to win the 2022 or 2023 World Series enter an offseason that features several high-profile free agents, including Aaron Judge. And nah, won't go to the Dodgers. Well, if I, I still think that maybe there's going to be an agreement between – Judge and the Yankees. I don't know, but uh, we, I talked about this briefly uh, a month or two ago on a Weeknight Chronicles episode without you. Uh, if Judge hits the open market, the contract numbers are going to be astronomical. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, and what I mean by that is what I talked about in that episode. You're looking at five, six, seven, eight hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, just uh, an absorbent amount of money. Now, strong guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the Dodgers are favorites, uh, followed by the Houston Astros. Uh, the Braves and the Yankees both open at 850. Uh, the Mets and Phillies are opened at around 1,000, 1,200. Uh, the odds will be, the odds will move, obviously, throughout the season, before the season, as teams fight to land Aaron's judge. And, uh, another, another potential free agent. Uh, could be the ace for the New York Metropolitans, which would be Jacob DeGrom. Uh, so now it's been rumored that if there's no and – and I haven't looked in the news. That's one fault of my part. I don't know if Judge has point blank said I'm not coming back to the Yankees or if it's just potentially he could hit the open market if a deal doesn't make down uh, with New York. Now, whatever that case may be, whether he has said I'm not signing with New York or – it's if I can't get a deal done with him. It has been rumored that the San Francisco Giants would be in the market to make a serious push at Aaron Judge, potentially. So, uh, as far as your uh, Dodgers go, it looks like on paper your biggest potential free agent could end up being Trey Turner at shortstop. Yeah, that's a big hole to fill right there. But. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe we let Seeger go. Ah, Seeger. Good old He's a pretty good Seeger. Batter, yeah. What else we got? We're about 
we're getting closer to the end here. Uh, I wanted to mention Jake Paul. We've already talked about Logan. Uh, last weekend, and keep in mind, as I said, current events, we go back a little bit further than just a couple days. We usually go back a week or two. Uh, Jake Paul, uh, his, his boxing resume, for whatever reason, being as good as it is, it now includes a win over one of the greatest uh, MMA fighters of all time. As last weekend, he boxed uh, former UFC middleweight champion Anderson the Spider Silva and beat him by unanimous decision in Las Vegas. <coughs> uh, yeah, that was fixed. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Dole, I don't. You guys, you guys couldn't pick that up on the mic, but Dole's hollering from the other room. It's fixed, and I'm like, every fight he's in is fixed. I've said that. Uh, but anyways, he, he's now beat Anderson, the spider Silva. Um, so, so it should be noticed that Paul is, uh, only 25 and Silva is, uh, just a few years shy of 50. So he's beating up on an old man. Uh, now he's been clamoring. He wants a fight with Nate Diaz. What are you trying to say, bro? <laughs> I'm just saying, dog. Yeah, just saying. Say. Smell what you're stepping in. <laughs> so now he 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 challenged Nate Diaz. He threw shots at uh, he threw shots at Dana White. Uh, just he ain't run into a monster like Nate Diaz yet. Uh, well, I mean, it's just here. Here's the guy. Here's the deal. Jake and Logan are famous for being famous. That's what they're famous for. And then they use that being famous for being famous to become actually famous. And, you know, Logan's wrestling in WWE now and Jake's boxing and they were on the Disney Channel and they and Logan did an internet movie and movie appearances with The Rock and just all these motherfuckers. And I give them credit, man. I give them credit. They've built their brand. The Paul name is a brand. They've built it. They've marketed it. They're famous. They can get into any fucking building, any club in this world that they want to. Because of who, and I get it, they built their brand, but I am so sick of these guys. Yeah. Now, uh, there is there is a potential fight because now Uriah Hall, who uh, was a 38 year old Jamaican fighter, he was uh, he's tied for the most knockouts in UFC middleweight history with eight. He retired from the UFC this summer. Uh, he was in attendance because he was boxing. With Le'Veon Bell, and he beat Bell. They were on they were on the undercard for that Paul Silva fight. Hall said, uh, "I'll fuck you up, Jake." Like he wants to step in the ring with Jake just to shut his mouth. So, yeah, there you go. There, there you go. And uh, that pretty much. I mean, I skipped a couple things that I didn't that I just decided we weren't going to talk about. So that pretty much is going to wrap it up. Uh, I mean, the, the one of the other things I got is just about uh, an Olympic gold medalist freestyle wrestler named Gable Stevenson, who we've mentioned before. He uh, he won Olympic gold as a wrestler. He signed a contract with WWE. He is now training after having uh, he he has Wolf Parkinson's White Syndrome, uh, which is a congenital heart defect present at birth, which uh, is basically. An extra electrical pathway that causes a rapid heartbeat. Uh, anyways, he's suffering from that. And oh, I was like, 
He's now training in Orlando, looking to become a professional wrestler. And WWE obviously has a run of success with amateur wrestlers is Kurt Angle, who's a 1996 Olympic gold medalist. Brock Lesnar, who was a two-time national champion at Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, so that, that's about all I got. Uh, I mean, I skipped one or two things, but uh, yeah, puss, that's... Yes, that's uh, that's about all I got for a uh, current events number four episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. You know, um, we said a lot of things tonight that if people didn't know us might be construed as crossing the line. Or uh, as I said, I, I want to sh- just I want to get this out here just because of uh, cancel culture and uh, this ain't backpedaling. But I don't think Kurt and I said anything that's out of line tonight. If anybody did, it was me. Uh, I fucking hate Kaepernick, and that's just that. I didn't say anything racist about him. Uh, the story about the uh, the hockey player for the Bruins, he did some he did some things to a colored boy that should never be done. Uh, I don't think Kurt and I said anything. If you fuck up, you deserve punishment. That's it. Uh, but uh, I don't think. I guess I'm just worried about cancel culture now. Oh, nah, fuck I it, I ain't worried I about ain't it. Worried about them. Kurt's like, fuck it. I w- I don't need a podcast. I'll just. Go back to playing basketball all the time. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, well, I just wanted to, you know, some people like to do nothing more than bitch and ruin people's lives. I don't think and we really stepped on No, that. no. And, uh, you know, world's a fucked up place I, now. I make fun of myself all the time. You make fun of me, too. Yeah, absolutely. Steel house shoes. House slippers. House slippers. Scoreboards. scoreboards. House slippers and scoreboards. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, talking about the podcast here now, uh, just we've been busy that's why we i mean we put out eight episodes in the month of october which at least half of those were just me by myself but we've been so busy and then i had to switch weekends with the kids so technically this would have been a non-kid weekend but i had them this weekend we've had to swap weekends for a while the schedule's always busy and uh we will try to Still do a every two week thing like we normally do. We just haven't had no time this week for any weeknight episodes. You've been, I know you've been busy and I've been super busy. I've taken on more responsibility at work now and my schedule's changed. Uh, I'm not going to be going out of town near as much. I'm going to be working from home pretty much every day now. Uh, maybe one day a week I'll go out of town for like a half a day, but then I'll be back home that same night. Like it won't even be an overnight trip. But I've also taken on more responsibility at work, basically picking on picking up almost I I would call it an extra shift, but it's not. But uh so I, I've been busy. Yeah. Well I'm always on call, which I left my work phone in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Hattie old girl, we gotta we gotta you know, think about what we're gonna do here. Uh the next episode we talk and I'm I think I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three choices. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give you four choices. I should say, we can either do Oklahoma City '95 because we got people waiting on that. We can do a anniversary World Series for this year yet, which would be any World Series ended in '17 or any series ended in '7 or two. We can do Killdozer, or we can do a random World Series since it's the World Series just ended. So those are your choices. We got people waiting on it. Well, I mean, people, a couple out. people has asked about, uh, you know, 
they obviously because Waco and Ruby Ridge have now climbed into the two top ten listened episodes of all time. So we do OKC Anniversary World Series, a random World Series. We can do uh, Killdozer. You just tell me what you want. Well, I say we give them what they want. We had three hundred and twenty-eight downloads in the month of October. I talk about some OKC. The OKC bombing. Yeah. How easy it was to make them bombs. How that that whole fucking thing just flew together. Like, you get a little old redneck like Timothy Mc. Well, no, he wasn't a redneck. I think he was born in New York. I think McVeigh was from New York. I'm not sure. But- New York. I I want to say he was a Northeast guy. Not a. But like you know, like I talked, he was at Waco. Right. He was selling stickers alongside the the road at Waco. <laughs> right. A trained government killer, military. The same government that trained him to protect and kill, fucking short circuited in his brain, and uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 do that. Uh, and then uh. I don't know. We'll just go from there. We've just been super busy, but seriously, I want to thank everybody for all their. I'm going to rework our Patreon. We we will have a Patreon uh, up at our uh, on our um, Steel Toes and Scoreboards page on Podbean, and I'm going to just you know help us keep the bills paid, the lights on. You don't have to. You totally don't have to. We appreciate you if you do. Uh, get that going. Um, I'm going to be looking to upgrade our equipment down the line. Maybe getting a little bit bigger of a laptop. Uh, and anyways, and I could use that little one. yeah, I could give you that one. And then I could read right with you. <laughs> you could almost, couldn't you? I, I doubt it. I <laughs> Kurt's job is to literally watch film, and uh, he occasionally reads an article. Occasionally, but, uh, yeah. So the other night, I was in the office working, and uh, I went look for after two beers podcast. And uh, they've only done a couple episodes since we record with them. They've been busy, too. One uh, Dutch went on vacation somewhere, I think South Carolina or somewhere. But I listened back to the episode that they did with us, which, you, by the way, you can find After Two Beers Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. The episode with us is simply titled Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Man, we had a lot of fun yeah, that night. Fun, yeah. And uh, lots of laughs. And uh, anyways, that was that was a great night. Uh, we will get together with them. Uh, I'll touch base. I'll put the play in action. And uh, I guess, Hattie old girl, that's, uh, that's, rap. that's a wrap. I mean, it was a uh, two and a half hours, a little over, but it was a full-length current events. There's a lot of sports news going on. And uh, I just want to say uh, congratulations to the <laughs> 2022 Houston Astros. Uh it is nice to see Jose Altuvo get another one, legitly this time, because I think he was part of the 2017 team, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, boy, you know, you know how different things are for him and Bryce. Was Bregman there? I don't know if Bregman was a part of that 2017 <laughs> team or not. I don't know either. I can't remember. So yes, yes. Yep. So uh, good for them. Sorry, Bryce Harper. Castellanos, I was never a big Castellanos guy, but oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's so there's so much other sports news that we didn't that I didn't put in. I only skipped there. There's literally only two pieces of news in my whole notes that I skipped tonight. You think the Phillies will keep their left side of their infield, which is a young and upcoming? Uh, you have to. 
You yeah. have to. You like, have to find a way to make right payroll. Now. You have to find a way to make the payroll work up. I mean, that's who I'm building. Oh, right yeah. Now. Oh, easily. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then um, I guess that's it, Patio Girl. All right, man. All right. So uh, for Kirk Kelly, for Ethan Doyle, uh, this is Jared Atkins. We uh, appreciate your guys' support, and we will see you next time on another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Peace out.